So, uh, so what, what is this? This Reza something? Well, you got two things today. Firstly, our our podcast releases like a week after everything. The, the news, right? So a, a week after know. we record, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they wanna if their people are gonna still still interested. But then, you had a whole bunch of controversies about people who made it in the mainstream and whether or not they're what they're saying is right or wrong. And uh, I don't know if it's, it's like Qadiani's being in the Israeli army. Yeah, yeah. I heard there are Qadiani's in the Israeli army. Yeah. Is that true? Is it a fa- sad? Can you look it up? Look it, up. it is true. Sure I have, fa- I, it's true. Oh, Alex you fact sent, Alex, said, that already? Alex sent the article. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He sent it. Uh, he sent it like a couple days ago. So there's that. So there's... so we are actually in agreement with the Israelis because <laughs> for once Israelis do not allow Muslims in yeah. their army, right? They don't. They allow Kalyanis. They allow okay. Druze. So Dru- we are in agreement with the <laughs> Zionists on this point. They're they're good with all the all you the. Know, I, I never thought that statement would ever come. Yeah. So we even are in agreement. In, even the uh, state of Israel is like, no, no, you guys aren't Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> and and everyone is sympathizing with Kadianis today because one of them won the Oscars. Okay, big deal. Let him win the Oscar. What does that have to do with theology? It has nothing to do with theology. I mean, I wouldn't care if it was if even if he was like the most the most orthodox of Sunni Muslims. For, the movie was horrible. It's a terrible time. No, but I read I read I read the the synopsis. It's it's all about some kid that grows up gay and how he finds acceptance acceptance in his uh, identity or whatever. I don't even know how that is still. How would that? How is that still like Like a storyline? Yeah, Yeah, that's like nineteen nineties Sunday. I'll tell you why it is. Here, I'll give you the 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 quick summation of this. So in this movie, the guy that won, uh, Mahershala Ali, he plays a drug dealer, crack dealer. He's East African, I guess, right? No, he's American. He converted. Oh, he's African American. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, he's, he so he plays. Yeah. So he plays a he plays a uh, a drug dealer, a crack dealer, who like kind of becomes like a mentor to this little kid who is always getting picked on because he's he's gay and he's like figuring that out. And then the kid's mother's a crackhead. She smokes crack, and the kid himself grows up to become a drug dealer himself and okay. still gay. And that's his that's the resolution of the story. All right, that's so <laughs> the reason that this wins the award, family pick, right? So this guy Mahershala Ali is actually a good actor. Yes. I'll give him his credit for that. He's a good actor. But the reason that this wins an award, um, and I have something I posted on Facebook from the New York Times Film Review recently, not about this specifically, but that points out that every time that some black role or black film wins an award, it's either about some big historical f- figure, right? So they take that uh, great man view of history, right? That that theory. Which is not true. It's not a true theory. Or, most commonly, it's some kind of like pathological figure, right? A criminal, a, a drug addict, a homosexual. Somebody that has to overcome adversity and then they give you like the feel-good ending. Yeah. So, black people are not allowed... to rights to yeah. So, you give... Black people are not allowed to be like regular people. Mm-hmm. At least not in win awards. Yeah. Right? So, so, you can't win awards for that. So, the great man theory, could you explain that for the listeners? So, the great man theory of history is that history is moved that movements in history, great accomplishments in history are, are created by like these really singular, unique individuals who bring forth new ideas, who are oh. charismatic, <clears throat> as opposed to the reality, which is that it's all the people on the ground. And right? they're, they're, they're just the arrow point. Yeah, they're the they're ones the that get to take the stage yeah. and sum it up for people, right? They're yeah. the Steve Jobs, and everybody else is the really good tech engineers. Yeah. Uh, you know, a perfect example is everybody celebrates, you know, in the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King. Even Brother Malcolm, right? Rahimahullah. But what got people the right to vote in the South was 
every single individual who despite the the reality that they could be killed or could be fired or could have some serious consequences they contribute went and registered anyway. yeah it was a mass right? movement yeah, yeah so it's it's the bu- it's a bus boycott yeah it's the bus boycott is not uh rosa parks and martin when you Luther say King. even malcolm you're saying even people uh today viewed him as one of these great men well, they I mean, he didn't no, no. honor Martin Luther King. No. He was actually retroactively people a rival. retroactively people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But retroactively, people look at, at Malcolm Rahimullah as like one of these great figures in history. Yeah, yeah. They didn't at the time. At the time, he was reviled and vilified. Yeah. Um, and but yeah, the bu- the bus boycott, for instance, it's every single person who walked to work yeah, and these, just gave up riding the bike. Are basically the just the faces of that movement. Exactly. That's all it is. Exactly. So, like, even like you take uh, Trump, for example. Right, there are so many people who have had these feelings for ages, or for decades, for not ages, they'd say for eight years under Obama. This feeling has been swelling in people, and he just became the arrowhead for it. Yeah, like, exactly. And and, so. and this, uh, why don't you introduce the topic? Because I want I want to segue into it from this from this conversation. <laughs> so um, before, so assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. Um, so a couple of quick updates. So this will actually be uh, the last podcast of season one. Love uh, we're calling season finale. This, beer. So the season finale. Um, so we'll be back uh, as a team, inshallah, in uh, a few months. Uh, maybe we'll do like uh, you know how Doctor Who does those like Christmas specials like in the middle that are just like random episodes. Mm. So if like some no. crazy thing happens where like you know, so keep your subscription <laughs> updated. <laughs> yeah, so well we, we might uh, post something uh, randomly, but uh, keep yeah. keep us in your duas, inshallah as well. Inshallah. We're taking... As we're off the air, uh, please do remember to subscribe, share, and like our page so you can get all of our updates, um, and maybe go back and and re-listen as well. Mm-hmm. So. We're actually talking about two interesting topics at the same time. Uh, they are inter- they are connected, and we're going to talk about them. Connected, uh, not intersectional, though. Uh, I, I see what you did. <laughs> I made a great intersectional critique yesterday on Facebook. It was good. Oh, yeah. I'll show it to you later. Um, so we're actually talking about madhabs uh, and the idea of what is a madhab and critical. You would most people. So I was actually thinking, you know, like. You know, Ali mentioned this comment that, uh, you know, actually, you know, before I even get into that, let me introduce. So we actually also have another person uh, joining us today. So along with uh, Dr. Shadi, Alex and uh, Saad, um, we also have uh, brother Yusuf Hussein joining us. Uh, he's... Uh, Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Pleasure to be on. Alhamdulillah. Pleasure to have you. Um, he's uh, one of our Safina students as well. Um, so he's joining us today for the talk on madhabs and tasawwuf. So, speaking about the uh, speaking about madhabs, right? Yeah. I thought as I was, and Ali mentioned this point on Sunday, you know that most people know about madhabs. Most people know what they are, but mm-hmm. you know somebody else sitting with us, he would be, he was like, you know, you would be surprised. Like most people don't know much about madhabs or what it means or why you need to follow a madhab. People think it's like a like it's a crazy concept, like it's like sectarian. Well, let me right. tell you, the first thing is that uh, why is this important? Because there are certain things that are eternally important forever important and it's not just current affairs our world today because there's no sacred in our culture anymore there's nothing that's always important the only thing that's important is whatever's trending right and it's usually a 24-hour cycle right and something's not is not important like two days later 
but for us as people who believe in uh, uh, another universe above ours another world another dimension we have things that are sacred have been sacred and will always be sacred and the number one most sacred thing for us that is the most important thing is how to draw near to Allah the path to draw near to Allah Azza wa Jal. and this path has crystallized into uh, the four madhabs and that, that's in the outward rituals and laws and then in the subject matter of tasawwuf which is uh, in the tariqas which is the purification of the heart on the inside, right? So just so people say, oh my gosh, this is such a 90s topic. We say, okay, it's not a 90s. It's 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, and it'll be this t- decade, next decade, until Imam Mahdi comes and he, he's the only madhab at that point. But the madhabs are the knowledge by which we worship Allah Azza wa Jal. So it is always important. And Muslims have to know what their deen is. And we have to be people of the sacred or the text, not just the context. Most people today are just the context. It's just whatever is up on t- in the Twitter feed, that's the only thing that's important right Allah. now. Right? For us, no, we have a deen that we're going to be studying for until we die yeah. and, and practicing until we die. And you'll notice, right, nowadays there is like this a la carte fashion of like madhabs where it's like, you know, take whatever you will, right? Um, and I've taken a couple of these classes where they'll just teach you all of the madhabs and say like you know pick fashion. So you mean line. within the within the one act of worship joining between yeah. the different schools? Yeah. First That's of all, joining or picking in picking and choosing, Let's picking and choosing fasting. independently. So like to be more clear, right? So um, we have in the Sunni Orthodox tradition the concept of four schools, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that have kind of formed over time. And nowadays people are very confused as to do I need to pick a school? Is it important to follow? So right, here's so the this thing. idea. Here's the thing. First of all, a lot of people uh, I'll take a second back and a lot of people wonder, well, how did you get four schools? It sounds random. And secondly, these are human beings, right? How are we putting them up to such a level? Well, you have, of course, the Quran and you have the Hadith. We all know this, right? But which Hadith is stronger than which? How they interact, uh, how we get exceptions, how we understand each. This the ulama did the humans human beings scholars of the first three generations did this okay and when they did this many people were doing this with scholarship and they discussed and they debated and they went back and forth with piety and with honesty and sincerity and some went off the 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 the, the out of the boundaries and they were called out for it and they were isolated as sects all right and over time though four of these madahib became prominent Allah just gave them the tawfiq because we believe as Allah says that he preserves the Quran the ulama tell us he preserves the Quran means he preserves all of the knowledge related to it so all the science science of Quran science of hadith science of tajweed science of usul all aqidah fiqh all these sciences are also preserved by Allah and he uses humans to do it just as the prophet said uh, a man will come at the sallallahu alayhi wasallam. a man will come at the head of every first hundred years in the ummah and renew, revive its religion for it. Okay, who does that? A human being. Okay. Uh, likewise, the Prophet peace be upon him said, "Follow the Khalifas." Who are the Khalifas? He, he, non-prophets, human beings. So likewise, Allah uses these human beings, and He made four of them inspiring to others to the point that they followed them and they loved them. So Imam Abu Hanifa from Iraq, he was the first one of them, and he's the only non-Arab from them. Uh, Malik from Medina and he's the only one from 
Medina, city of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Al-Shafi'i, Al-Shafi'i is the only one from Quraysh, and he's also the only poet, and he is the one who moved around the most. And then Imam Ahmad, he's an Arab from uh, Baghdad, uh, from Baghdad, and he was the polymath of the four Imams. He did everything. He was a Zahid, he was a muhaddith. He was a commander of right, forbidden, of wrong. He's a scholar of aqidah. He's a scholar of fiqh. So he was the polymath of the imams. And they met one another. Imam Malik and Abu Hanifa debated. Shafi'i was a student of Malik. Uh, uh, and then Imam Shafi'i never met Abu Hanifa, but he studied under the students of Abu Hanifa. He established the golden mean between Malik's school method and Abu Hanifa's method. And then Imam Ahmed, he basically looked up to Imam Shafi'i as like a, a mental role model and... Uh, uh, an example and Imam Shafi'i when he traveled to Baghdad he visited Imam Ahmad slept over his house Imam Ahmad's daughter was so excited that Imam Shafi'i was coming right Imam Ahmad had one uh, he had a daughter and he had some sons uh, his daughter was so excited that Imam Shafi'i was coming to the house so, so she stayed up she listened to uh, their discussions and all these things and then the next morning, though, she was a bit down and not excited at all. Mm-hmm. So um, she, her, her father noticed this and he said, How do we, what, what's the matter? You were so excited to see Imam Shafi yesterday. What happened to this morning? He said, she said, I'm very disappointed. He spent the whole night and I didn't hear him getting up for Tahajjud at all. Then he prayed Fajr and I didn't even see him make wudu. So Imam Ahmed, he smiled because he knew Imam Shafi is not going to waste his night and pray without wudu. So he said, he brought his daughter and said, yeah, Imam, tell me, what do you say of someone who thinks that you slept all night, didn't pray to Hajjud and woke up without wudu and prayed Fajr without wudu? He said, I was sitting on my side and on my side, I calculated or I solved 70 problems. That Muslims were having <laughs> in fifth. <laughs> okay. And by the time I finished, it was time for Fajr and I had the wudu of Aisha. SubhanAllah. And answering a question, do a fatwa of a, a problem that Muslims have is far better than individual worship. So these are the four Imams. All of them also have a special link about them. They all had links with the Ahlul Bayt. Abu mm. Hanifa had a link with Jafar al Sadiq. Imam Malik was a supporter of uh, Muhammad al Zaki. Imam Shafi'i is famous for his love of Ahlul Bayt. He is, he is, in his book of poetry, they accuse him of being Shi'i even. He says, if Shi'i is to love Ahlul Bayt, if Rafidi, then consider me one of them. Of course, he's not Rafidi. He loves Abu Bakr and Omar and he believes in them. Right. Fourthly, Imam uh, Ahmad ibn Hanbal as well. His Musnad is oftentimes Shi'is go to his book to find the hadiths of Ahlul Bayt. And by the way, the Shays are not the referees of who loves Ahlul Bayt. <laughs> Shays, they're, they're, uh, we don't need them to tell us, right? That we respect. One time someone said, well, we need the Shia to see that we love, we, we love Ahlul Bayt too. Why? Who are they to be our judge? We don't care what their opinion is. Don't, with all due respect, right? With all due respect, you, a, 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 heret, a heretic of any sort is not going to be our judge in any way whatsoever. Right? And with all due respect to Shay, individuals, okay? As an individual, I respect you. But that theology does not give you a sort of uh, monopoly on Ahlul Bayt. You don't have a monopoly, nor are you doing it correctly. Not even close, nor are you doing it correctly. Because to love a prophet's family 
by cursing his wives, yeah. by cursing his best of friends. And how do you explain that Ali bin Abi Talib had two sons? He, he named the first Omar. Then he had another son later, and he was so still in love with Omar. He named him Omar too. <laughs> so you have Omar the bigger and Omar the smaller, the younger. So subhanAllah. So that's a little thing of, of the basic uh, of what we're saying about the four methods. The basic uh, quick little synopsis on where they came from and why they're important. So I'd like to interject at this point just to roll it back to our intro, which is, so the great man theory, right? This applies to how people understand the madhahib and it's completely wrong so you'll hear people who argue against the opinions of a madhahib or about following madhahibs and they'll go well that was one scholar and he mm -hmm. could be wrong or they'll they'll yeah. they'll quote something that's attributed mm -hmm. to almost all of the imams which is if you find something that is sahih that's my madhahib and you ignore the opinions that were transmitted as though that one imam as great as they were mm -hmm is the entire school and yep. that's far from the truth totally right. off totally off the entire school is actually copious amounts copious. of scholars yeah. who came in refined expanded upon mm -hmm. you know uh, codified the actual madhahs yeah. and same. he was an arrowhead same with Aqidah to some extent too yeah, right? as far as Ashari and Maturini Imam Malik says from himself he did not divert he didn't divert a centimeter away from his teachers teaching Right, mm. so he is just basically uh, the arrowhead uh, in front of a methodology that's existed before his birth, right? right? And a practice that existed before his birth. He was just the one who codified it. And usually, every movement has to swell into a peak. And the person who happens to be at the top of that peak, right, who just represents it so well, and that's what Imam Malik did. He represented it so well. Dr. Shad, isn't there a story also with Imam Malik where the was I think it was the Khalifa at the time wanted to use his teaching as the that's true for everybody. That's true, and he refused. Uh, uh, it was Harun al Rashid said, "Write a book so I can make it binding on the whole Ummah." And Imam Malik said, "The scholars have their own. Uh, the, every village has their own scholar, Allah or every Allah. every region, Iqlim, has their own scholar, and they have their own scholarship, and they ha they differ." Right, and so we're not going to bind our uh, what we have upon them. So you'll for, I'm sorry, you'll forgive me if I go out of go for it. step chronologically. This is a great answer to the people who say we should have one super madhab mm -hmm. with the strongest of all opinions oh, yeah. on every subject, yeah. and this should apply to all of the Muslims. Yeah, and it cannot is, be any is, variation. This is in fiqh fiqh fascism. Yeah. Yeah. Imam Malik didn't, who was greater than anyone who's mm -hmm. speaking about it today didn't want to do it in his time yeah. when the when the Ummah was smaller Subhanallah. So yeah. what are you talking who about who would have been so, more uh, and who would have been more worthy so piggybacking uh, on no that one. you hear a lot of people right they do this mix and match thing let's talk about that for a little okay. while okay now Moeen talked about the subject of uh, picking and choosing in the schools of thought when we talk about madhabs because someone recently the other day in class asked a very important question. He said, how are we simple people supposed to know what you're talking about, about the madhabs? Well, what we're talking about when we say that a person studies a madhab, it means that the best method of learning, if you really want to be a serious student of fiqh, is to learn a methodology and then learn the rulings from one manual, one book, so you can be consistent. And then afterwards, you could learn other methods and other rulings. But to learn, if you're going to go and set out and study, to learn four different, let's say, coding languages, is it going to happen? It's not going to happen, right? If, there, you have, if you're learning code, you're going to learn one code language. And then if you're good, you'll learn a second and a third and a fourth, right? But you're going to learn one, okay? You're not going to learn a hundred. Same thing with fiqh. 
for the common person, his imam is just the, the closest religious person that they trust, that has some knowledge. And we don't advise that you stay a common person in Islam. Like, it's not a humble thing. This is not like wealth, where you say, oh, poor man, and he goes to Jannah. No. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to knowledge, that's not uh, humble. It's not, like, nice. It's not pious. It's not cute to be ignorant, right? <laughs> this is not, we don't glorify. We don't glorify ignorance yeah. in Islam. You should learn. You should study, right? And, and fiqh should be glorified. Fiqh is a big deal. And the way you're going to study fiqh is you're going to use the methods. Even if you don't have a, uh, a teacher, but there are excellent manuals, like um, Musa Ferber's translation of uh, the, the Shafi. Uh, the, the accessible conspectus. Yeah, conspicuous conspectus. <laughs> <laughs> the accessible conspectus. I have it. Accessible conspectus. Is that what yes. it is? Yeah. Okay. Ultimate conspectus as well. There's oh, there's two. two. That's why. Okay. The ultimate conspect. Is it? Okay. It's accessible like a like a it's summation. Better. It's better. It's it's easier for the reader it's to more read. Accessible. The ultimate is. <laughs> okay. I think he's saying that the the accessible one is more accessible. Yeah. Okay. The so ultimate I have to say that. Nice. Uh, yeah. I have to say that that's it's ver- the title is fitting for Shafi thought, right? <laughs> right. So because the Shafis are very articulate, particular, and uh, so. You have Hanifi manuals. You have Maliki manuals that are published. You have lectures, series on all over the web, right? Hanbali fiqh, unfortunately, it's sort of dying out almost. But what I would recommend, if you even if you can't find a teacher, you get one of those books and you study that book, right? You study it over and over and over until you almost become a master of that one book. That's how you're going to learn the law. And, and fiqh is ritual law, how to do acts of worship. And fiqh is interactional law, or you could say civil law, of interactions. Marriage, divorce, food, buying, selling, inheritance, etc. So, people, if you, someone wants to draw near to Allah, and someone say, I'm not feeling very spiritual. The first thing is, how do you worship Allah properly? Right. Put in effort into doing that, then you're going to get, you know, maybe you'll get what you want. But put in effort in fiqh. If I could just interject a, a bit of practical advice. Anyone who can hear this podcast has access to the internet in some form, right? Mm-hmm. You can go to secretshub.org and get free classes to learn your... I mean, you can go free classes to learn complex subjects, mm-hmm. but even just the introductory stuff. Learn a madhab, learn the basics of tahara and salah, mm-hmm. right? That you are absolutely obligatory for you to learn. Yeah. And you can do it for free. And it, it's, it's stuff you can download. There's live lessons. You can ask questions of the instructors. They're all really qualified. <laughs> And I'm not just, I'm, this is not like I'm promoting them, but it's there and it's free. It's there. It's it requires free. no more effort than you're making right now. Clicking. To just clicking. To just do it. If you're, you have no excuse. If you're, uh, you don't even have to type anymore. You just say it into your phone. Right? <laughs> Correct. Uh, get me www.secretshub.org. And the, the beauty of it is that these personalities that are teaching the lectures on the class, because the, age, the internet age that we're living in, you could probably tweet at some of them. If you have a question, most of them at whoever it is, and they'll probably answer your question. It kind of speaks to like how lazy we are these days that like people before used to walk like a thousand miles just to study. And like you can't be bothered to Google, you know, or, or, you know, go on the Internet, Mm -hmm. find some resources. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't recommend just Googling things about my But (laughs) well, here's the thing. If you you go to these sources on Seekers Hub. Because if, if you're living in some random state like Indiana or Connecticut where there's, 
or no, they're not gonna. There might not be a resource. Utah. Yeah, Utah. <laughs> which I I actually one time got a job offer in Utah, right? And Utah. I, Utah yeah. is like up and coming. Utah? Is it? Yeah. For, more, for Mormonism, maybe. For, for IT. <laughs> no, for IT. It's for IT. It's oh, because they have these empty, this huge empty yeah, space. Like, there's right? a lot of new it's like startups. A big, oh, it's a server farm. It's, like, so much it's, like, a, it's like a startup hub. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because basically, when I when I got this uh, job offer in Utah, I looked up at the homes. You can basically just buy a, a, a get a down payment from the change in your couch. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the homes are huge, right? Homes are huge, yeah. but then you have uh, the, can, the can cost. I, yeah, I, the cost is on Friday. Can I tell you when the work week is over? That's it. There's nothing else to I, do. I, can I tell you a funny Utah story? So I used yeah. to work for uh, I used to work for Goldman Sachs uh, about five or six years ago. Really? Yes. And, I didn't uh, know you were that have, smart, man. No, 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 IT, right? So yeah, we're in the donation forms, bro. So. Uh, Anyway, they have a, so they basically had a uh, development center that they were starting up in uh, Salt Lake City. So we used to get emails pertaining to Salt Lake City as well. So one day we got from the security team, we said, they said that uh, everybody be careful. There's a cougar running around the parking lot. Oh my God. <laughs> so everyone in New York was like, just started cracking up. That's crazy. That's crazy. Man. Yeah, mainly the, there is that. So that's the, that's the, that's the. Really, with the cost, yeah. where the cost is being made up, is that you're stuck in Utah. Yeah. But, well, so, but as a bonus, they might be the first state to re-legalize polygamy. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> is it, what, they already have a law for it, or is that specifically for the Mormons? No, it's not legal. I don't know. I'm not really not up and coming on like no, polygamy news. Polygamy? That's uh, funny. Yeah. I, I thought Mormons were One time, allowed. I went to a uh, conference and I saw some dude. He was wearing a shirt. That said, I heart, heart, heart polygamy. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. So, but on a serious note, so <laughs> What's more uh, serious? Saad, you were mentioning <laughs> that how lazy we are. Totally. I would propose that there's another reason too, which I wanted to talk about in terms of people not wanting to get into mud hubs, is yeah. that. There seems to be this phobia of difference of opinion mm -hmm. and so much so that like I was telling these guys before we started that in the uh, Saturday school class that I teach for the, like 14 year old kids, I, we brought up mud hubs and then they're asked, oh, well, do we have to follow one? It's like, yeah, generally you pick one and you stick to it. Right. So and then like I don't want to name names, but someone who worked with me he just kind of freaked out a little bit. He's like, yeah. no, I don't I don't I don't believe in all these divisions, you know, division <laughs> things about like we all need to be like it this. seems like people they only look at the, the situation of the Muslims or specifically in the United States, how we all got to be together and therefore we can't have any difference of opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever we disagree on, just throw it out. Yeah. That's, that's what so, it is. Uh, my question to someone like, to someone who offers that kind of opinion is, all right, so what basis do we, what is, which, which are we going to follow? Yeah. Is it your opinion? Is it what your family has always been doing? Because mm -hmm. I, I doubt you're going to change. Yeah. Well, right? not even that. It's, they just want to dumb it down. Yeah. They yeah, want to yeah, say, yeah. Like, okay, we fast, we pray, and that's everybody knows that, so let's just do that. And yeah. I, I'll give a good example of like uh, the, it, this idea of like mixing match, mixing and matching the madhabs, uh, th this, this crazy idea that someone could create like a fifth madhab that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, so I, I forget which book it's presented in. It's... Um, Philosophy evolution effect. It was a Hanafi. It was a Hanafi. It was a Hanafi book. Um, it was a Hanafi book. But um, so essentially, you could have an individual who says, for example, uh, according to the Hanafi school, if you 
make wudu and you bleed, your wudu is broken, right? So you could have someone who says, you know, I'm a Hanafi, but I'm going to follow the Maliki opinion for wudu, mm -hmm. right? So they make wudu and they're bleeding. Yeah. Then they're actually going to travel at that time, mm -hmm. right? So they're actually traveling at that point. And let's say they're uh, only 12 miles. Well, they're, they're, let's say they're like, f what's the Maliki? Like, 34 uh, miles. Let's say they're 34, right? Hanafi is 42, so right? 48 Sharia miles, miles of the past, which yeah. translates as 34. Yeah. So let's say you're, you're past the ha Maliki point, but you're not past the Hanafi point, okay. right? They're past the Maliki point at like 39 or whatever yeah. it is, right? And they say, you know, I'm going to follow the Maliki opinion for traveling in terms of distance, mm -hmm. but I'm going to stay for 14 days because that's the Hanafi opinion. Yeah. Right. And then they also say, you know, I'm, I'm going to combine my prayers like a Maliki, um, but as a Hanafi, you know, you can't. Yeah. Right. So now they've actually invalidated all like three types of worship yeah. in all four of the madhahib. That's exactly right? why. However, they themselves have created a madhab that, that is somehow yeah. valid in their minds. I have to right? say what it is, it's the madhab of the people who's, I, I have to say honestly, um, I really, I don't know, their heart's not in it, right? Mm. They're lazy about the matter, right? You're lazy about it, to be honest. What you have to do is, you got to get motivated and you got one when you, you were speaking to people who are afraid of studying fiqh. One of the reasons is that we're such a hyper trend oriented uh, people these days, right? We're just on the last cup cusp of whatever's happened yesterday, right? And people are not motivated to study fiqh anymore because of that. Because every time they're studying some issue, like, uh, do I have to make wudu when I'm bleeding, right? They think to themselves, something crawls back in their mind and says, is this relevant? Right to what's happening today, <laughs> yeah. right? And they compare that to what's going on on Instagram or Twitter or some uh, other uh, platform, right? And that's what little creeping thing happens in the back of their mind. I say, I, I really like. I feel like I'm going back to the Stone Ages with these discussions. Well, let me tell you, fiqh is what is important to Allah, right? And that is a question that's important to Allah. How to make wudu properly is important to Allah, and you have to always keep telling yourself that. To make yourself realize this is more important than anything else. To, to have knowledge of fiqh is more important than being up to date and your uh, misguided concepts of relevance, right? So this is why people are going to say, okay, just give me the easiest thing, you know, because, you know, uh, uh, Trump is coming, right? As if like, <laughs> because the context that we're in, the context that we're in is so dire that we can't get caught up in these little things. We got to tell you, your concept of little and, and big exactly. are totally yeah. the opposite. Yeah. We totally don't care about what anyone's saying when it comes to the deen of Allah. We got to learn it properly, give it time, and put in effort and not be make the madhab of the lazy, right? The madhab of the lazy. And the Prophet said, call them the people of the couch, right? The people of the couch. Because he says, you will have a, pe a, a man uh, uh, with a full stomach, because he just eats too much. Uh, leaning, reclining on a couch. Right? So he called them the party of the couch. The people oh. of the couch. That's like most of the people They just sit today. back, right? <laughs> leaning on a couch. I found our episode title. Right? Yeah. I found our episode title. And then he said, <laughs> and he said about them, and he speaks about my hadith. In other words, from himself. Allah. He talks about the deen from his own brain. Right? Yeah. Without any recourse, no effort in scholarship, he doesn't care about the, the minutia and the detail of scholarship, 
right? Go ask someone, your clothes, if you have a little stain on it, are you going to go to work with it? In your fiqh and your prayer, if you have a little defect in your charity, a little defect, it's a big deal. Because that's the garment you're sending up to heaven. Right. That's what you're sending up to paradise. So, so there's also, uh, part of this is foreshadowing a little bit, but there's also a couple of groups who, you know, they may appear to be outwardly religious. Well, at least one of them definitely is. I'm not going to say they're not. But one of the groups, they basically are okay to some extent with independent ijtihad in terms of saying you don't have to follow a madhab, mm-hmm. right? So um, so that some people get misled by that. And then there's another group, which we may get to, which is basically like, oh, we're just worried about the essence of the matter, not the details. Yeah. And if you look at the details and you're missing the big picture. A couple episodes back, we called those Al-Wahhabiyya and Al-Gufiyya. <laughs> okay. Now, just to be clear, the common Muslim, the common Muslim, which we said is not a glorious thing that you should keep. You should not try to be a common Muslim. You need to aspire for, to, to be learned. Uh, if Allah wills good for someone, He educates them in the deen. Okay? And the, but the common Muslim who doesn't know uh, much and he's just going about his business trying to be pious and do the right thing, his madhab is just his, his local trusted person, whether it's his father, whether it's his brother, his uncle, his imam, the local trusted person that he trusts. right? And it could nowadays, with the internet age, could be someone who is halfway around the world. <laughs> but your heart trusts that person. And I'm telling you, this is a bad methodology. You could be fooled. You could be duped. And you can confuse that human beings have a lot of good and bad mixed. Wait, or, wait, which methodology are you talking I'm about? I'm just saying the common folk, right? Uh-huh. The common man, his methodology is whoever his heart trusts in the deen, right? He, that's his, basically, that's his imam and his, his, his method. Right. So what we're saying is you can have a guy, very charitable, excellent, pious, but his concepts are wrong. It's very mm. possible in this world that that, that happens, right? Mm. It's very possible. And Allah will reward him for his good, right? And his misguidance obviously is going to have a negative consequence. May Allah forgive it for all of us, right? So that's the... But uh, when it comes to a, a student of knowledge, a student of knowledge has to have integrity, right? And you have to have some ethics. You pick the methodology first. Imam Abu Hanifa had a method. Imam Malik had a method. Ashavi had a method. Ahmed had a method. This is called usul al-fiqh. You pick, you you study these methodologies, and see which one of it you are going to. Or you have pragmatic reasons. In other words, you could be in a country there's nobody except Hanafis, right? So that's who you. That's the method you're going to study, yeah. right? So there are different reasons. But if as a student you're going to pick one, and you're going to stick to that methodology. Now, when you answer questions from people, it's different. That's what people don't realize. When you answer questions from people. If you reach a level where you can answer questions, if, if a common man is asking, should I do this or that, or is halal or haram, the, the rules in fiqh is actually to give him what suits him most. But this takes a lot of knowledge, right? Mm. You can say, at this point, say, I, I don't know all four methods, but what, what I do know is this is what uh, the opinion is, and this is the evidence behind it. And by the way, just because someone knows the evidence behind his madhab does not mean that he's not a follower. Right. You're still a follower, Right. You're still a follower because how do you know why your imam arrived at that? Right. right. I mean, so, that's I mean, why like a, a lot of people will teach all four madhabs, right? Would like that that this is something like I I'm don't really understand myself. Like, for example, I learn with you or Mufti Niyaz, for example, 
and I'll ask you a Maliki question doesn't mean you understand the Hanbali or the Shafi'i madhab yeah. like fully. Mm-hmm. I'll ask Mufti Niyaz a question he understands the Hanafi madhab. Yeah. That doesn't mean he fully understands the Maliki madhab. How is it possible to t- one person to teach all four madhabs? I mean, unless you're like... It's not... I mean, it's yeah. I, it's, it's really confusing not, well, to me. Not. Speaking of mujtahid, haven't they like kind of? Uh, they almost have like an agreed upon classification at this point, where they originally they had like mujtahid mutlak across all the madhabs, yes. and those are the the four, right? And then uh, what right, does that mean? Basically, the they I don't know. The word uh, mujtahid is someone who has enough mastery of Quran, every science of Quran, mastery of every science in hadith, uh, mastery of the Arabic language, and mastery of usul al fiqh. And he therefore can go into the Quran and Hadith and derive a ruling and derive his own methodology, right? Then derive his own ruling, right? That's called mujtahid. And mutlaq means absolute. Then you have mujtahid fil madhab, which means in the methodology of a certain school of thought, right? He can derive, he can bring a ruling, right? Just from looking at the Quran Hadith through that methodology. And then you have us who are muqallid we follow what they've imam said and that doesn't mean we don't know the evidence we know the evidences i know uh, uh, uh many scholars who know all the evidences right but they restrict themselves into that school uh so that's what that's what a muqallid is and then aami common folk right common person he just follows whatever the locality is doing right so and in aqidah by the way in aqidah that's forbidden in Aqidah, you have to know why you believe what you believe. You can't just say, I believe that there's one God because everyone else said there's one God. We, you, that might count, but it's very flimsy. Sheikh, and that's for the, in Aqidah, that's for the major... For the major things. For, for the, the major For the details. Yeah, for the fine. details. For, for Yeah, for the details, you could be a muqadid. For example, you don't need to know the evidence of why Prophet Jesus is coming back, which is something Reza Aslan doesn't believe for some reason, right? <laughs> why would you ruin <laughs> Why would you ruin the future? It'll always come right? back. Why would you ruin and take out the best part of the coming future that's coming well, upon us? You know, which she, is the return of Prophet Isa, the hallmark, the high. So you're telling that's it? Well, you know, Unless he said, it's all downhill from here. You know, he said religion is just a rapper. That's what he said. It's yeah. what he said. A religion is just a rapper, a rapper a, a, around a universal truth, which right. he knows. Like something. something oh, like really? Yeah, no. <laughs> so. It's what? It's the fourth sir. The fourth sir. Yeah. Which is what? What is that? Well, the Quran is the sir. The sir? Take the mic. See, see, right, take these, the mic. Take these, the mic. What are you saying? Yeah. So, you know, like, this is Ali. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Salatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad al Mabad. So, you is know. Is it going to be that long? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was about to give the. <laughs> No, we're talking about right, Sunday here, so we, we got to keep it with the Sunday, you know. But I was, I was, I was just saying, you know, um, there, there's like a, a, mis, a mis, sort of a misconception, and this, this might be your, your, your ticket to enter into the soul, of whether or not you decide to, to hop on the train. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's um, people usually get uh, misunderstandings about sir, or sir like yeah. secrets. Mm-hmm. So like I was just saying, like maybe maybe Riza Aslan has some some sort of secrets. That, that he's that he's uh, un, un, unraveled about the universe. From yeah. whom? Well, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these 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 people. Satan has claimed to have secrets too. I like I mean, like the, these universalists, their claim, right, is that there is something out there that is universal. The question is, well, 
how did you find out? Is it, if it's so universal, like, why don't I know about it? Why doesn't anyone else know about mm-hmm. it, right? So that's the, the claim of universalists, basically, which is, and Abdul Hakim Murad, he named the same thing. He's like, okay, well, where did you get it from? Sheikh is easy. You don't have a PhD in some, oh, wait, yeah. you do. <laughs> <laughs> and and his, his PhD is in uh, Christianity and the Bible, right? And then his whole book is about that, right? And then telling us that Jesus has been crucified and he's not actually coming back, right? So anyway, that. Wait, what's the whole, what were we on? Um, so <laughs> before, before Ali, <laughs> I got thrown yeah. off by Ali about to give a, see, like, we all wanted to say that. <laughs> we just couldn't. <laughs> see, Yusuf said that, uh, asked Shadi about the Mujtahid Mutlaq, right? Yes, oh, yes. Then the Mujtahid common Mujtahid folk who yeah. follows his local. Right. Oh, right. so we were saying in Aqidah matters, in major Aqidah matters, like why you believe in one God, why the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu fundamental thing that you, you have to know that Islam is the, uh, only true representative way that God wants us to follow. It represents Allah's will, all right, and uh, angels, heavenly books, and that the previous books have been altered. The only book that's uh, valid, that is transmitted to us exactly as it was revealed is the Qur'an, right? These fundamental things of Aqidah, that there's a day of judgment, there's questioning in the grave, these fundamental things that have spread throughout the Muslim Ummah, and are any 10-year-old Muslim boy will have learned these things by second and third grade in an Islamic school. Right, these things you cannot have, be just an imitator in. You actually have to know these things quite well. That Muhammad is the last prophet, by the way. Okay, that's one of them. Some people have they apparently have a different opinion on this. There's no difference of opinion. There's no difference of opinion. They win an Oscar. Some. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sheikh, just uh, because of the way that Yusuf uh, posed the question, just yeah. clarify the the Mushtahid Mutlaq doesn't isn't just the Mushtahid of all the Madahib, but rather outside of them, right? He's a mujtahid of the Quran and Hadith directly. He, he skips all of that. Yes, he's mujtahid in fact, mutlaq. It's, the, the it's, one it's obligatory for him not to follow anyone. He is prohibited from following anyone because he actually knows the proofs directly. And by the way, this requirement for mujtahid mutlaq is so vast, it's unbelievable. You realize that there very well may not be one. There's some people say there have to be one uh, in every era. No, there has to be a, someone who gives ijtihad on certain matters in every era. But Mujtahid Mutlaq, the requirements are extremely high. Take 30 years of study. I, I got a question, Sheikh. Yes. So, because uh, uh, do you have any examples of a Mujtahid Mutlaq and then a Mujtahid within the Madhab? Mm-hmm. Because we are, obviously we know Imam Malik, Imam Ahmed, and Imam uh, Abu Hanifa, but w- were there others? There were others such And will as there ever be more? Sufyan al-Thawri, Sufyan ibn Uyayna, uh, in Egypt, Al-Layth ibn Sa'd, Right, Dawud al Zahiri, he was a friend of Imam Shafi. So there were many, up to eleven at, in the in, in the same basic century, right? They say up to eleven. So what did we count? We said Sufyan ibn Sufyan al Thawri, Al Layth ibn Saad, Dawud al Zahiri. That's four and four. That's eight. Al Azai. Which one? Al Azai. Al Azai. Yes, good. Al Azai. That's nine. There are two more. That they were considered in their time Mujtahid um, Imams that people followed. Mm. Right? And then over time, it just so happens, it just happened by, we would say, divine providence, right? Allah's will. That four, the people would follow, uh, swelled around four, right? And three of these ruled. So the Maliki Madhab governed. And when you go- once you govern, right? So it was basically set in stone at that point. 
because all the judges have to govern by one code. The judges, for, so when we say governed, what does that mean? It means the judges, when you go to court, which method are they following from, right? The Hanbali method was in Iraq for a long period of time. The Hanafi method was. The Shafi'i method was, right? The, um, uh, the Shafi'i method didn't rule, govern for a long time until Indonesia, which is late in the history of the Ummah. All of Indonesia, Malaysia, Yemen, right? And little part of Western India, they uh, used to govern in the courts there by Shafi'i fiqh, right? In the Sharia courts. So this, this is basically... Uh, uh, you know what it means that when they're four coalesced out of the eleven, and then they governed in certain parts so, of the land. Sheikh, I just wanted to throw something out there, and the, you know, I'm not—I don't have empirical evidence to present this, but it seems to me uh, it's almost like self-evident. Um, there's a trend that happens, and I don't mean that one individual follows this exact path, but groups, right, and societies. First, you start having people who go, "I don't need those math habits; those are just people. I'm a person. Mm-hmm. I'm really smart. I read English." <laughs> um, even if you're even if you're an expert of the Arabic language, and they go, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip those things, or I'm gonna pick the best rulings. This starts with I'll pick the best opinion out of the four schools uh, based on my intellect, right? Not to first, not to mention that you're ignoring the the concept of usul, mm-hmm. and you're just making up your own methodology to write, to decide which is better. But you take that path, and then eventually somebody, maybe even yourself, you'll start going, well, forget. Oh, I'm just gonna make my own rulings. For I can read hadith, I can read the yeah. Quran. Right. Eventually, you're going to go, even the Hadith scholars are just men. Yeah, that's true. And who knows that's if they're true. accurate. That's I'm going true. just to the Quran. That's well, true. isn't that yeah. what... Uh, Academia is. I, I mean... Uh, <laughs> that's what academics do. <laughs> yeah. That's what academics... Go go write a paper and repeat Imam Shafi's claim and say, <laughs> well, I'm a muqallid, right? Not going to work. The, you won't get published until you bring something new. So basically, you have to go and either do... Find a, an area of research which hasn't been done before... Right, or you have to innovate, right? Yeah. So now I'm my in, in literally, literally in the negative, right? in now, the shari now, innovation. Yeah. Now I'm going to give you a, a next question. Mm. So we talked about these people who um, <clears throat> pick and choose from different madhabs, don't want to follow a specific madhab. Now there's also people who don't even believe in a madhab mm-hmm. at all, right? Like Albani, for example. Yeah. Right. So what it what is this concept? So this is the concept, basically, <clears throat> like just like Alex said. Someone who keeps repeating to himself, these are human beings and I'm a human being, right? Mm. We say to him, that's the exact reason you should follow a madhab. Because you're a human being. That means you have biases. A madhab is not just the name of that person. Yeah. It's hundreds. It began as dozens. Then it became hundreds. Now it's thousands. We could probably say millions of scholars have looked at this work, this body of work, re-looked at it, triple looked at it, ten times looked at it. And so the biases are removed now. Because right. if over a thousand years from different countries, different political settings, different economic settings, different personalities, different viewpoints, they come to the same conclusions, right? That or and sometimes they differ, right? The Shafi method has a number of differences, right? Within the method. They'll say, Well, Imam Shafi is our Imam, but we will actually differ with him on this issue. With his own methodology. The Hanafis as well, right? Hanafis, Hanafis as thing, well, yeah. right? The least people to differ with their imam is the Malikis. Right. Right? Well, when your imam is on the sun in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Because a, he's the earliest imam. There's no way he could actually... Just you know, just to cement that point, Sheikh. Yeah. You said that it starts off with one and then dozens and then eventually... Yeah. Th- 
the Maliki Madhab starts off with 10,000 tabi'in. It's the opposite, yeah. <laughs> right? The Maliki Madhab is actually the opposite. Yeah, the Maliki Madhab starts out with uh, 10,000 tabi'in in the city, okay? And then slowly, uh, their scholars come to the top, right to the top, right? And then Imam Malik becomes the, basically the summary of their scholarship. And he's very careful and cautious of what he says. That's why you can you could rarely find anyone critiquing any opinions of Malik. In any event, so the point is that when we say a madhab, you're talking about millions, if not hundreds of thousands of scholars have looked at this issue. And this, the scholar who writes it in the book, he's just giving you the, the manual. He's just giving you the final conclusion of what all the scholars said. Right. So bias has been removed. And you are one human being filled with bias. right? So that's why we follow scholarship. When it comes to opinions... Yeah, there are a lot of opinions. Not all opinions are equal, right? The opinion that has been looked at by people across time and location is the least vulnerable to subjectivity and bias and therefore the most authoritative. And I'm just going to add one short thing. As somebody that studied Western law, I can tell you that both Western law and especially Islamic law, it's a highly complex discipline that requires years of rigorous study before you can even understand what's being said. The terminology. Right. And if you don't think that's true, just go open a book on civil procedure mm -hmm. and come back to me in a year. I'll give you a year with the book by yourself and tell me if you even yeah. understood a little bit of yeah, it. You did it because is. you need a professor yeah. and you need uh, you need to actually do research. Mm -hmm. You need to be tested and you need to have uh, ancillary resources. Yeah. And Islamic law is way more complicated than that and way more serious. Yeah. And it's serious because Imam Shavi said you can make a mistake in a lot of things. And you would just look uh, foolish. Hmm. You make a mistake in the deen, someone could go to hell. Right. Right. You give a wrong fatwa in the deen, you know, someone else is in trouble big time. Right. And yourself is going to be in trouble big time. Because when, when I grew up, uh, when I went to Sunday school, I learned like the fiqh sunnah books. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, I remember it was like yeah, a little, it was a little red book. Uh, there was like five of them and you just kind of learned um, all of the different and, and so I remember when I learned it, like there was no concept of a madhab at all. Like I don't even know what that is. I've never gone back and looked at those books. But that's how I kind of learned, like fiqh in general in the well, beginning. Well, the reason like, what are those? The reason that book fiqh sunnah is critiqued is that it's not. It's basically taking from a mishmash of different madhab without stating that. Right. If you do, you should state it. Yeah. Right. And uh, and then we could read it or not, but. A child doesn't have to learn madhahib. I would say up to age 12 and 13 and 14, why would you confuse them, right? And this is why kids in India, kids in Morocco, kids in Turkey, kids in Indonesia, these are lands traditionally where you don't have a mixture of madhahib. Right. You have it in the Hanafi school in Turkey and in India, the Shafi school in Indonesia, Maliki school in the West Africa. So the kids would learn, learn all are learning the same fiqh. And there's a lot of psychological stability when the whole country is learning the same fiqh. And what you need is far kifaya for the scholars to have knowledge of the differences. But when you deal with a community or we deal with the masses, people who are not specialists in this, this is not a university, this is a community, a local masjid or a country, you need stability in, in, in these matters of fiqh. People as adults can go and study what they want. But in public, actually until today, it's law in Morocco, in public, you cannot preach to the people anything other than Maliki fiqh so you don't confuse them. 
right? So it's not stifling at all. That's actually stabilizing. Sheikh, I blame your homeland. Yeah. Egypt. That's yeah. where it all started. Egypt is where it, all the mishmash started, right? The mishmash. And for a while, there were excellent scholars who led the people in an excellent way. Until recent history, the quote-unquote modernists, they all derived out of the Azhar. Yeah, the, so the modernists derived out of the, the Azhar. The La that's yeah. a whole other thing. But yeah. this idea of just throwing it all together because the common people don't have a madhab, it's an Egyptian yeah. thing. Yeah, this is Egypt. And, and to me, I'm telling you, it's a lack of zeal, lack of enthusiasm to study, right? And do things, you want to do things right and be pure, right? Be pure and not be, you know, mixing and matching. And But again, there's a difference between students of knowledge and we recommend everyone to become a student. So, Sheikh, I got, I got a scenario for you, all right? There's a, let's say there's a brother who... You know, his, his situation is particular because I'm a college student, right? So I, in college, it's kind of awkward to make wudu in the bathroom. Yeah. Everybody knows this, right? Americans don't like people putting their feet in the sink. Yeah. They, don't even, they don't even like you wetting the bathroom too much, okay. right? But let's you say... You dry it after you're done <laughs> if you're a good Muslim. Of course, we have to dry it. But we never do. <laughs> we don't even do wait, it for the masjid. Wait, hold on a second. There are more Muslims <laughs> than there are transgenders. Why don't we blobby... For our own for bathroom, our own, <laughs> right? Right? there are. Hey, that's, 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 that's a plausible thing. Space. That's a plausible exactly. thing. <laughs> small group of people, minuscule percentage of people, want their own bathrooms or whatever they're arguing for. What are they even arguing for? To go wherever they want. To go, yeah, wherever okay. they feel like they are this week. Imagine just. In, <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you laugh, but it's there's actually there's a good radio lab on this. There's actually people who think that they're. That their gender var- changes like day to day, seasonally. Yeah, day to day, seasonally. Yeah. Like well, the, today, the I, they're a man, oh, and tomorrow they can wake up a woman. <laughs> like like a and so yeah, like a you'd, you'd have to like <laughs> they, you'd have to let them go to whatever bathroom they feel like that day. Just in case you want to win a wrestling contest. Well, well, somebody won a wrestling contest, yeah. right? Like a transgender. <laughs> She's got, a, transgender. It's guy a girl. Became no, a, it, it's a girl who's taking topic. who's pumping mad steroids. And murking all these other girls yeah. in the wrestling league. <laughs> well, like, it's, like I was telling before, this is exactly why America is not going to be number one uh, yeah. when my kids or your kids are 40 years old. Also, because Bhakta Priya is studying physics code, <laughs> right? Bangalore. She's studying code and, and IT and all that stuff in Bangalore. Meanwhile, we're just uh, American college kids are just uh, well, discussing their true. gender. Think about it. Not the whole world does not drink in this ridiculous, uh, yeah. you know. To your point, Sheikh, and I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, it's okay. Uh, you you uh, can go ahead. We'll I'm happy for you, you, and I'm going to let you finish. But Elias <laughs> <laughs> uh, knows um, where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> the uh, there's a statistic that shows that, and in, in countries where economic situations are more straightened, like in India and Pakistan, yeah. women tend to gravitate towards medicine and engineering mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And in places where there's a lot of wealth and a lot of opportunity, like in Norwegian countries. Um, uh, sorry, like in Scandinavian countries, women tend to major in like liberal arts and mm-hmm. uh, you know feminist dance therapy or whatever, <laughs> right? So, so you're absolutely right, Shay. When 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 when, when people are out there to win because yeah, they have it's, to, it's a luxury. They're going out to win. Yeah. And in America, we're over here arguing about the stupidity yeah. and the minutia because we've just lost it. Exactly. We're the proverbial dance monks therapy. arguing or uh, scholastics arguing about how many angels can dance yeah. in the head of a pin. Yeah. Meanwhile, so, the whole world is falling apart around yeah. us. So remind me after, either after the podcast or I can say it now, but there's a story given to us about why Russians were such good coders. 
What is it? It's cold. Because they're, they couldn't get access to a computer whenever they wanted. So they had to think things through with such precision because they knew they'd only get a time slice at the computer. Really? Oh, okay. But they had to do it really that efficiently. Actually, that actually makes sense. And it's exactly why a lot of people in prisons who are studying Islam come out with so much memorized because the books aren't available to them except when they could take it out. So there was a guy who told me that in prison, there was one copy of Sahih Bukhari in his prison. right? So they had to pass it around. So you got it for a day. He used to write hadiths on his arm, right? Until his arm was full, and then pass the book around because that would be the only hadith he'd have for six days. He'd memorize it. Yeah, Rob. Right? So with less, there's actually more. Yeah. Right? And we are gluttonous. I mean, we have so much, so much, we create problems. Right? And here are people that don't want to like Google like the, how to learn a madhab. Back to Ali's uh, point about Alhamdulillah. Talfiq. I had to schedule an appointment through like, uh, what's it? Uh, uh, never mind. Through an app because yeah, the yeah, letter will not do yeah. anything if there's no app for it. No, actually, right? I, I, as, a, as, as a non-millennial, as, as below a millennial, a homelander, oh, I, I, homelander. I wouldn't even, okay. I would just ask Google. I would literally talk, I would say, okay, Google. And yeah, because it. there was a birthday party the other day for a relative. <laughs> And uh, someone was saying, well, put the right number of candles, right? So they say, I was like, they're not going to count unless there's an app for it. <laughs> Bismillah. All right. So, you know, college is a confusing time. People, yeah. people like new experiences and stuff like that. And obviously uh, the bathroom is one of those awkward places that people just want to get in and get out really quickly. Yeah. So uh, if, you know, if, if as an American, if you're, if you're walking and watching a Muslim, uh, you know, cleaning their feet, that's kind of awkward. Personally, I have no problem with it. Yeah. But a guy dressed as a girl is not awkward. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just leave that over there for for right now, inshallah. But um, he's not gonna let us. Right? <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. So what's the question? So you know, it, tweet it. Yeah. Here's 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 where the medhub st- stuff gets gets confusing, right? Yeah. Hashtag medhub, right? Yeah. But what happens is the uh, you know you have brothers who don't want to do regular wudu right so so now we're trying to find shortcuts with wudu okay so as as a uh, as as a member like a person of the of the common folk yeah you know it's not that easy seeking out an education in some in some matters or, or finding an easy path so to doing acts of worship uh, how do but the, the questions on wiping wiping like for example like what, what do we make of people who for example when they're making wudu they know they know for a fact they have been educated in this matter that that wiping is that wiping is not acceptable let me, that they must remove and let me also just tell you two things and also second part hmm. this is going to make you a little bit upset okay. but the, I, I remember there was a case where someone uh, someone came up to me and asked me uh, personally if if it was okay if, if they reversed the wiping of the head so for the Malikis it's back to front yeah. uh, uh, front to back excuse me okay. that's Fuddled, but he wanted to do f- back to front so he didn't mess up his hair. Okay, listen. Because <laughs> <laughs> he gelled it, you know, mashallah. Okay. Like it's, a, it, it, it's an honest question. So you know? there's two things. First of all, many people wipe over the socks, and we just want to tell everyone out there this is called muttarib al dalala. This hadith is muttarib al dalala. Muttarib al dalala means the hadith of the jawrab is there. Muttarib means problematic as evidence because the first, second, and third generations would not practice it. The Sahaba were not known to wipe over the Jawrab or the turban. The only madhab in which this is, exists is the Hanafi Hanbali, Hanbali madhab with a condition. 
that the sock be samik, that when you wipe over the sock, you cannot feel the water. It doesn't say waterproof. Right. Samik, which is Sheikh Ahmad Taharayan explained this, the great Maliki scholar of Cairo. He explained the Hanbali opinion on this. The sock has to be samik, which means that at the moment of wiping, you can't feel the water. That's so, so that's in the Hanbali school of thought. That's one question. Is is that is that thicker than a waterproof sock? Like, what's the difference between that and a waterproof? A waterproof sock? sock means literally you could put your sock in a puddle for an extended period of time, or run water on it, right, for an extended yeah couple seconds, and water still won't you won't feel water. Right. Waterproof socks. This is waterproof socks. Are you, the best company is Hydro Skins, and you can get them for like thirty bucks, and they're thin. They're made for um, rafters or whatever. They're kayakers, and then the companies actually discovered that there are more Muslims who want to wipe over these than kayakers in the world. So these companies target Muslims now, right? And they also have wood. They call them wudu socks. Right. So the original companies were kayak kayak sport companies, whatever Capitalism. it is. Yeah, I know. Listen, the free market well, is amazing. Uniqlo, Uniqlo, is, Uniqlo in Toronto is now selling hijabs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually do. I have it's a thick like question here. So, okay, let me finish this uh, thing real quick. So what about like... Now, the second thing is this. <clears throat> second thing is this. In the matter of the madhabs, you are... Ulamat tell us, we are allowed to, if there's a need, draw from another madhab on one condition, that you have to do that entire act according to that madhab. Not your entire life, just that entire act. So if a Muslim, a man wants to make wudu on hydroskins, or a woman wants to make wudu on hydroskins, or... Only wipe a third of their hair or three hairs. Three hairs. Three hairs, according to Shafi. Remember, Shafi says three hairs. Just wipe three hairs. We tell you, Ahi, that's fine. But do the whole wudu according to Shafi. That's the only condition. And So the deen is actually, we have room for these things in the deen. And what breaks it? And what breaks it. Good so luck. On the, on the matter on the matter of wudu, right? On the matter of wudu and its breaking and doing, you follow that madhab fully. Why? So that if you mix madhabs like this, then you end up without invalid wudu in right. either school. Right. The rule of thumb is anything is valid if it's valid in any of the four schools. So if the imam of someone, someone being imam, it's valid for all of us if it's if his salah is valid in any of the four schools. So there's expansiveness and room for these types of things. Yusuf, you want to say something? I had a somewhat unrelated question to this exact scenario was that is there a specific duration of time let's say someone brings a, or does wudu doesn't do the feet walks 20 feet away has a bottle of water and finishes up is there an actual restriction on Location or time. how much time frame? In the Hanafi yeah. madhab, there isn't. <laughs> there isn't. No, the Malik madhab, it is. is yeah. uh, uh, if you don't dry, yeah. Yeah. if you would get dry, and if you would become dry, totally dry, on in, the normal, on a normal day, circumstance. If I'm not mistaken, like, uh, and maybe a Hanafi might call me out, but like, even like, for example, in Russia, right? If 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 you forgot to do like. Uh, like your right foot or something, and you remember like an hour later, you could just come back and do your right foot only. Okay. Wow. <laughs> you could do that as well. Oh, you could do that as well. Oh. Could do that as well. Just to follow but up. But I don't want to get sidetracked on this stuff. <laughs> like, uh, so the, but, in the Maliki school, it would have to be the, if you dried, then it's over. You have like to air dried. Over. If you air dried, you have to do the whole thing. Over. Just to follow up to the response mm -hmm. you, 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 gave, uh, mm -hmm. you gave Ali, 
Um, the reason why everything has to be the same within that act, within <clears throat> according to one of the schools, is not because of some magic, but because there's a certain methodology mm -hmm. for how they derived all of those rulings and they mm -hmm. go together and they mix yes. together based on some bigger fundamental principles, yeah. not just this is what that imam figured yeah. out. Right, it's, so it's logical. It's not something that is just blind following that the rule is you have to follow that school. No, it's logical. There is a methodology. You keep mixing and matching, then you contradict your yourself. Right. And that's why for students of knowledge to mix and match like this is yeah. almost, you could say, almost, or for, for especially advanced students and scholars, almost unethical, right? Because you know the methodology and you're just taking, you're, you're mixing and matching while knowledgeable of the methods. So in that respect, that's uh, the answer to your question. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and Muslims, by the way, because we have challenges to keep wudu, all these things, don't think that these extra challenges uh, hinder your ability to succeed in life. In fact, the more challenges you have, you probably, you know, become stronger. Right. Right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. The more challenges, the more obstacles you have. Look at the Jews, how many rules they have. So they become mm -hmm. like legal minds because they have so many obstacles. They don't even have, they have rules of how to get to the third floor yeah. on a Saturday, on a Saturday. If, if you have groceries, yeah. right? Or you're pregnant. Yeah. So they made, created elevators that stop every Saturday on every single floor. So you don't have to push a button. <laughs> I've been somehow, on those, somehow. I've, I've been on those elevators yeah. at a Jewish hospital. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've heard a crazy story. A story like of like a coworker who was Jewish and obviously they can't operate machinery on that day. And he had come home and he, you can't even use like your, your keys right on your, oh, on your yeah. lock. Oh, really? So he, That's so, a machine. Yeah. So he was, he was standing outside of his house. And he can't even tell people, tell somebody, hey, can you use this key to open this door for me? Mm -hmm. He has to just stand there and kind of look like like he needs <laughs> to get in. Yeah. And then somebody has to come by and then open that door for them. So, yeah. so yeah, I have a similar story like that someone told me. Someone told me a similar story like that because uh, uh, what? What would happen is when people go to hotels, right? Similar thing would happen. You can't use your card key, mm -hmm. right, to get into your hotel, right? Especially on a Saturday. Yeah. So what people would do is they would come up to the desk and say, hey, I forgot my keys, right? Wink, and wink. They wouldn't even wink. They would just, because they can't make it seem like it's on purpose, right? So they would just say, hey, I forgot my keys. So the staff was instructed that if somebody says, hey, I forgot my keys, you need to walk them to their room, take them up the elevator, push the floor buttons, yeah. walk them to the door, put in their card, and then open the door and then let them in. Wow. That's so creative. You know, there was... There was a, so lying is okay, but not to... You know, there was... There was, there, was a, there was a community once upon a time who... Uh, they couldn't fish on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. And we all know how... Thing. We all know what it's happened the to them. It's the same exact thing. There was a scholar of uh, in, in Zaytuna, mm -hmm. uh, the real Zaytuna, mm -hmm. El Zaytuna, the Zaytuna. Um, but he said that he made a comment about the, the Jewish laws and he said, you see all these laws, these complicated laws, like that you can't even walk into your own house on a Saturday. And he says, this is a la'na from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of the wow. stuff that they have done to the, his prophet. And, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm surprised that thieves haven't gotten hold of this. So what happens if you <laughs> rob someone? They can't call the police. <laughs> like, I'm Given all the thieves out I'll, there, I'll, some ideas. I'm just wondering. You'll bro. be arrested immediately. Yeah. I'm just wondering. There's a lot of pull. Yeah. <laughs> APAC coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. so, so what's next? Now, I was... Um, I know we ended on one point. Oh, so what I wanted to say is 
all these little things we talked about, for example, wiping over the socks, or I mentioned the thing about Rusul about the Hanafi mother, which may be incorrect. Please check that with your local Hanafi scholar. Um, there are tons. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, there's one in every message. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to just made a, make a disclaimer like about a that. Prescription right? drug ad. Please, please ask if this is right for you. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to make a disclaimer, right? Like this podcast wasn't meant to uh, give you any fic ruling. Fic Q&A. Yeah. yeah no. it, it was uh, meant to show you that fic in itself and even that question back and forth right. is complicated, it right? Is. And you can't just mix and match and you can't just take like a, uh, 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 you know, like a one-day seminar, learn all everything a la carte style, and then pick whatever you want, right? It's more complicated than that. It takes years of study, right? Um, the Muslim's life is, studying is part of our life. Yeah. If it's not part of your life through a class, through a series, through something, then yeah. something's missing. Yeah. You got to fill it in. So now, based on that, I am going to switch over to the concepts of another type of school right uh because it connects right the schools of tasawwuf right we have the concept of a tariqa right so first i'd like to ask you to define for our listeners you know what is a tariqa all right it's quite simple and what is tasawwuf actually let's go back just a little bit okay it's quite simple <clears throat> the term tasawwuf means refers to the study of Every verse and hadith that has to do with the heart. That is not a belief, not an issue of belief, and not an issue of action or ritual, but rather of the heart. So, for example, envy, uh, humility. These are abstract concepts that, where are they? Is humility something that's on your, on your body, that you do with your body? Is it a belief? No, it's a state of your heart. So that's what tasawwuf is about, and this is why it's very important. Because, for example, no one who has an Adam's weight of kibbutz will ever enter Jannah, right? So this issue is huge because of uh, uh, kibbutz arrogance, all right? So heaven and hell can be determined by the heart. Uh, Prophet uh, Ibrahim salam, Allah describes him; he has a pure heart, and Allah says, "Your wealth." Your children. In other words, all the charity you gave and all the children who make dua for you is not going to benefit you unless you come with a pure heart. All right. So this is why the issue of matarat al-qulub or the purification of the heart is so important. That's tasawwuf. So question number two, why did they call it tasawwuf? Why this strange name and not like ihsan or tazkiyah? The reason being is that if you're... A, a scholar of the law, for example, fiqh, you can be called a faqih because your scholarship is objective. And your scholarship does not mean your stand doesn't reflect your standing in the sight of Allah. We know that the first persons to go to hell are scholars that didn't act upon what they did. So number one, it's objective. Number two, it's not necess- it's not a moral um, a value statement. Whereas tasawwuf, if you said uh, sp- spiritual purification, and you became a st- focused on that until you became a scholar in this. So what do we call you? Spiritually purified? That's a moral. That's a value judgment, right? Mm. That's a value judgment. That's a claim about your standing with God. You cannot make such a claim about yourself. Firstly, it's not quantifiable. We can't see your heart. I don't know how how you are, right? Secondly, it's a it's a value statement, right? A uh, judgment. So they didn't want to say that. So they didn't want to call themselves muhsinin. 
the hadith calls this subject ihsan they didn't want to call them you know muzakkun uh, the purified ones so what do you call them so they said that the, the at that time the simple people or their or their worldly life was very simple and they used to wear the most simple garment which is a woolen frock right and so they just called them by that accidental thing accidental meaning not essential to their sub so just a that was the attribute that they had that they wore wool so they called them ahlu suf or a sufiya or tasawuf the act of wearing wool so they did that because you cannot actually make a call yourself the purified ones or the guided ones right you can't call yourself that so <clears throat> that's now the third question is you said another word which is at-tariqa at-tariq is tasawuf in action and the turuq are basically uh, the means and the ex- living example right, of putting yourself into practice. And why are there turuq? Is, isn't this the path to Allah one? Yes, but as Allah says, uh, right? Subul. So what do we say? Allah says, المستقيم, Lead us to the straight path. But وَلَئِنْ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا if they strive in our paths, we will guide them to our paths. So what is it? One or multiple? The answer is, it's one path with lanes inside of it. Another hadith the Prophet <coughs> said, with every limb you could do a different sadaqah. Right? So basically, emphasis. More emphasis on Quran. More emphasis on Salah and the Prophet. More emphasis on fasting. More emphasis on zuhud. More emphasis on da'wah. So different ways and emphasis and different ways of reaching Allah Azza wa Jal when, when people such as Ibn Arabi or Rumi say there's so many million paths to meeting God he means paths within the Sunnah Yeah, they don't mean right. different ideologies and aqidas right so that's what a tariqah is a tariqah is basically uh, a path a shar'i path of doing things in the Sunnah where, and you make and they establish brotherhoods and they do these things together that's what the paths are so a valid path has a couple qualities. Number one, it's uh, Sunni and it's Aqidah and it's Fiqh. It's on the Sunni and Aqidah and Fiqh. It does not utilize any method of drawing near to Allah except that that method has come to us from the Prophet ﷺ, period, right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Uh, either in specific or in general, because there are specific commands and there are general commands, which is very important to distinguish the two. And then secondly, that it actually works. The second, There's only two conditions. Like the, the ilm is sound and it's actually effective because it may not be effective if the leadership of that order is impious is only doing things outwardly right and internally he himself is not receiving what we call madad madad is constant re- reception of nur and, and, and from Allah and hidayah and rushd and when that person uh, is in a gathering other people feel some benefit right you feel yourself some benefit from a mutaqi okay so that's the second condition that you actually feel that you're getting better in the deen right? is, you're doing well so is, this is the, that's basically the origins of the subject the name of the subject and uh, the nature of what a tariq is so um, you know Sheikh I, a really short definition that I heard uh, someone say once is that um, basically, a tariqah is a madhab 
-hmm. of the inner realities. That's what it is. As opposed to a meth hub of the out of your bodily realities outside of your heart. So, so there's sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say that there's no um uh what's the word? Like you there's a you can overlap Turok, let's say, and Madahib. It's yeah. not like, oh well what how's that different from Hanafi or Maliki? Yeah, it's yeah, a completely exactly. different concern. Yeah, are there so are there like just as there's Hanafi Maliki Shafi Hanbali uh, accepted uh, madhabs of fiqh are there like uh, just curious are there like accepted madhabs uh, of Sunni like Turuk? So it's it's uh, <clears throat> just like in the madhabs, it's the same thing. And by the way, the madhab of fiqh, as it says in the Reliance of the Traveler, seventy five percent basically roughly of of the madhabs are identical. Right. Right. They don't right. differ on every single thing. Right. They differ on one out of four questions, right? So likewise, in Tasawwuf, you had one of the earliest books was by Abu Talib al-Makki, right? Abu Talib al-Makki. Hassan al-Basri is actually considered one of the earliest scholars of this subject. And he was raised by Umm Salama, wife of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He, he was um, the son of her, uh, like a, a servant, basically. She had a, a woman who worked for her. He, he was her son. So she said uh, she used to bring Hassan Hassan al-Basri to her uh, in Medina just to be around the wife of the Messenger of Allah, and so she raised him basically. And then when she when she was done raising him, she said, "Now go uh, uh, and befriend Ali and his two sons." Right. So he became a companion of Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib and his two sons, and then they moved up to Kufa. So he moved with them to Kufa, and lived with them there. Then he moved southeast to Basra and he became a famous preacher there, Hassan al-Basri. So he's one of the first persons to talk about this subject uh, and preach about it regularly. Then you have <clears throat> early scholarship. Okay, uh, You have the, one of the first is Al-Harith al-Muhasibi, whose book on this subject has been translated. Right? Uh, Treatise for the Seekers of Guidance. Almost like a summary book on this, this subject. You can buy it for seven bucks on Amazon. I think it should be in every Muslim's home. Right, right. It should be in every Muslim's home. What's the Arabic title, Sheikh? Uh, uh, Risalat al-Mustarshidin. Now you'll notice that it doesn't have chapter headings. It's just chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. The reason being is, I guess, I don't know the reason being, but I think maybe the reason is that each chapter covers so many things that you can't really box that chapter right. into a title. But um, so that's one. He was a contemporary of Imam Ahmad, and Imam Ahmad had heard about him. And he wanted to see what he was doing. What would they do at night? They would have gatherings for dhikr at night. So Imam Ahmed snuck in and he said to the people of the house, let me come in, stay behind a wall and observe what they were doing. So he did that. He observed all night. They didn't know Imam Ahmed was watching. Okay. And then he left. Imam Ahmed left weeping. And he, his son asked him. His son, who's the narrator of the Musnad, right? His son said to him, what did you think of those people? Are you going to call them out for their wrong, right? For their innovation? He said, son, there's no innovation there. These are from the best of people, right? So that's Imam Ahmad al-Harith al-Muhasibi. And then you have Imam Abu Hamd al-Ghazali, right? Who takes this matter and makes it into a science. This is not a random... Draw, here's the beauty of Islam. Drawing near to Allah is not some random thing, right? It's not like mm -hmm. a gift. It's something you study and you work at it. And a science is you plug in X, you will get Y every single time, right? Sooner or later, you're going to get Y. And then um, after... Um, just, so, just so nobody like uh, takes that the wrong way, uh, 
coming closer to Allah is 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 only done by Allah. It's only from Allah. Right. 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 I just don't want but anybody what, to think the wrong thing. Yeah. So but what Allah wants from us is predictable. Right. 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 So all yeah, that course. all that yeah. the, all that Doctor Shelley is saying is that these people have worked with the Quran, with the Sunnah, of course, of course, with the work, and so that they understand what Allah is saying and how you can apply this in your life and how to make it a regular practice so that you please Allah. Exactly. Right. So yeah. Of course. If so, you have sincerity. So someone who says. Uh, you know, Route 1 will take you from uh, Trenton to Newark, right? Or whatever, wherever, or to Edison or whatever. Doesn't mean you're going to get there, but Route 1 definitely takes you there. Right. So that's just basically what we're saying. And after Al-Ghazali, right after Imam Al-Ghazali died, Abdul Qadir Jalani came, and then Abdul Qadir Jalani became one of the biggest scholars of this, right? He was a Hanbali, he was a scholar, he had a big beard, he shortened his thobe, like he's not like many people try to make him to be. Uh, right, Abdul Qadir Jailani was very strict in Sharia in Aqidah. He was a preacher. He was uh, he left off the dunya, and he was a man who was no nonsense. And he spent uh, years in the desert purifying his soul and worshiping Allah And some people said no one makes the dhikr more than Abdul Qadir Jailani, right? Mm-hmm. So at the Qadiriya attribute themselves to Abdul Qadir Jailani. It doesn't necessarily mean every single Qadiriya represents Abdul Qadir al and you have to make that a big So you, you mentioned the term Qadiriya what, Qadiriya what is this? followers of Abdul Qadir al mm. and not everyone who claims followership is a follower Does ISIS claims followership of Muhammad mm-hmm. right are they're the furthest of people from him right modernists claim to be progressives claim to be followers of the Prophet Muhammad they're the first actually I don't know if they make that claim Right? <laughs> they claim <laughs> right? they retroactively apply their 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 out and it's not even a joke they retroactively apply their outlook of life to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam a feminist and yeah. what else have you and by their definition not by it's almost like ethnic heritage basically heritage yeah, pieces so it's appropriation yeah so so then you have abdul qadir jalani came then some period later other ulama came after that uh, uh, they are all the scholars of the outward and the inward Amongst them, Abu Hassan al-Shadhili came. Abu Hassan al-Shadhili came with something totally different, which is that he made a path for the common Muslims. Let's say you're a common Muslim, right? But you want to get close to Allah. You can't uh, leave your job and your wife and kids or your husband and your kids and, and, go, become a and go become a scholar or go in the desert to purify your soul. So what do those people do? They're people innocent. So Abu Hassan al-Shavidi came to Alexandria, Egypt, a huge city from Morocco. He traveled little by little uh, from west to east. And he established a very unique path. A path in which you're obligated to learn what's just what's called Fard Ain. Your individual obligation. You know your Aqidah, you know your Tahara, Salah, fasting, and Zakah. Right? And any rules regarding your trade. And then... He, you did certain dhikrs at certain times and you had a brotherhood to help you do them because it's it's easy to cut off this deen, right? Yeah. So uh, when we say tariqah, it's not like you're going to be given a card and you're given oath and then you wear a badge and you only hang out with a certain group of people. It's not how it works, right? You, you mentioned brotherhood only. Is this for like... Is well, brotherhood tarik? meaning like for ter- for ter- like uh, sohbah, companionship. This is the thing about terminology that we mentioned earlier when it comes to... Madahib, right? Yeah. Terminology is complex. Uh-huh. Um, for example, when somebody achieves something in the tariq, they're called a rijal, right? Uh-huh. But that doesn't mean a man. Yeah. It means someone who's achieved a status, uh-huh. even if she's a woman. Yeah. 
Quran says right? and uh, that's why they say that that phrase rijal can is can apply to both it's a spiritual achievement Right, and Ilm al-Rijal for yeah, these scholars. Ilm al-Rijal, yeah. there's a lot of women the, in there. The science, the science of men, al-Rijal, uh, really they almost mean people in that respect. Yeah, yeah there are many women. men, men in the. Yeah. And this is why, honestly, as a species. this as is a why species, this is right. why the left have taken us down in thought. <laughs> so what do so we have to do? Yeah, like, you have to discuss that, why right? Why can't you be a woman? Right? <laughs> you have to discuss this little silly terminology, right? <laughs> When we say a brotherhood, right? Because the context of this gathering is all a bunch of guys, right? Yeah. You so have to, we have to say a brotherhood slash sisterhood. If somebody ever says that to me, why I'm going to tell them to stop assuming the gender of words. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, so, go ahead. I was going to say that uh, the actual Turok themselves, now when they're named after a certain sheikh, some people get the impression that it was that sheikh himself who came up with everything and then there was nothing before that that he had learned from. Can we name the like the major okay, like, so turuk? Okay, your, your major well? one is going to be Al-Qadriya, Al-Shadliya. Then you have Suhrawardi, Umar Suhrawardi. And then you have uh, in India, Chishti. And then you have uh, Naqshabandi, right? The big Naqsh. Naqshabandi. <laughs> Naqsh <laughs> means to etch, to etch it in. Naqsh, Naqsh is an Arabic word, actually. It means mm. to etch something or just to... And uh, to mean, they mean that their goal is to etch the Iman in Allah in the heart, right? To etch the name of Allah in your heart. So uh, that's one of them. And then uh, Tijaniya in West Africa. Tijani was from Fez, Morocco. Ahmed Tijani. Ahmed Tijani. Right? And he's rather late. Yeah. He's rather late. Okay. And so, uh, just as an aside, uh, a lot of these are subsets of the Qadr, of, ima- of, of the Qadr Jalani yes. methodology. And the Al Ba'alawi from Tarim Yemen, which is relatively unknown until the past century. Uh-huh. They are uh, accepted in Indonesia, of course, they were huge. Basically, the, uh, Indonesia entered Islam through those Yemeni people of Tarim Ba'alawi, uh, those scholars. And Malaysia, same thing. And uh, uh, East Africa, same thing. And West India. Same thing. They're very influential, but they weren't like global scale. They they attribute themselves to one of their Muhammad ibn Ali Ba'alawi, who is a, a scholar. They have a, the lineage through the fathers, but in terms of the Ummawide, their senate goes back to Abdul Qadir Jailani yeah. through a Yemeni who was through um, Subhanallah Al uh, Ghoth uh, of, of Morocco. The Ghoth they call him the Ghoth. Uh, Huh? Abu Madian, yes, Abu Madian, and then from him to Abdul Qadir Jalani. So that's the link to Abdul Qadir Jalani. And why do we say this? We say this to prove that the knowledge, tasawwuf, anything in Islam, is not to be brought from anyone. You must have a chain of transmission. How do we know what you're saying is true, right? Like your doctor has to have a degree, doesn't he? A, di- a diploma. He had to have gone through residency, right? So likewise, every sheikh who claims to say anything in the name of God, in the name of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he must have a chain, right, of transmission. So all of the turuk, save one, trace their lineage uh, up through Hassan al Basri to Imam Ali, except for the next bandis. Who returned to Abu Bakr Siddiq? You know, you know, Sheikh. That's I'm, why there's no Shia in Naksabadi. I'm no really surprised. On that one, right? <laughs> Be surprised. <laughs> Be surprised. <laughs> no, yeah. Be surprised. <laughs> you know, Sheikh. I'm really surprised. Because, mm. alhamdulillah, 
the Malikis outnumber all their madhahab here. Mm-hmm. And you and you guys forgot one of the most important principles of the Maliki school from the later authors. Yeah. From Al-Murshid Al-Mu'een. Mm-hmm. The three principles. Mm-hmm. is the Maliki madhab, the aqd of Imam, uh, Imam Al-Ash'ari, yeah. and Junaid Al-Saliki. Oh, Junaid Al-Salik, you cannot forget Junaid Al-Salik. He's the Imam <laughs> uh, of the Qawm of his period. And Imam Junaid Al-Salik is actually famous for his story that he was uh, just a youth in Baghdad, very rich. The same Junaid al-Baghdadi, right? Junaid al-Baghdadi, in which he was uh, basically, uh, like many young people, he liked sports. And the sport of his time, were not the sports of our time, the sports of his time was, uh, wrestling was one of the big sports. So, so he was... Men. Huh? They, they were, were men. men. Yeah, okay. they were men. Wrestling uh, for real, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Do you mean men in the species concept? <laughs> no, I mean Rijan. <laughs> okay. So he was wrestling and uh, the Khalifa at the time, because this, uh, the cities weren't that huge back in the day. So the Khalifa said, let's have a tournament, right? Just for fun in Dhuhr time. The Dhuhr time was always a time of sleeping and just staying in the house because it was so hot. So the Khalifa, they wanted to do something just for amusement, I guess, and have a wrestling tournament. And he was the best. So he said, I'm going to put some gold coins, certain number of gold coins, for anyone who could wrestle Junaid al-Baghdadi. So then uh, an old man signed up, right? An old man signed up. And this old man, basically, they laughed, right? What are you going to do wrestling this, this youth? So he said, well, you didn't say that there were specific terms that I had to meet. So I'm here and give me my chance. So the Khalifa said, fine. What are you going to do as an old man? So let the old man go. So while they're getting beginning to grapple, he says some words, a few words into Junaid Baghdadi's ears. And then a few moves later, Junaid is pinned. Right? So the Khalifa says, do it again. He must have slipped or something. He does it a second time and they do it a third time. And then Junaid just leaves, right? And they don't know what to do, so they just gave the gold man some coins, right? <laughs> so what happened? Junaid al-Baghdadi later t- recounts, he said, that man, he said, he whispered in my ear, I am from the <clears throat> Ahlul Bayt. So he didn't know what that was supposed to mean. So your family from the family of the Prophet, what is that supposed to mean? Then he realized what it means. It means he's poor, I, I'm not eligible for zakah. Oh my God. I can't take zakah from the state. So I need this money. So Junaid whispered back, I'll do the moves. And when I squeeze your arm, you push. Allah. So he put himself in the moves, then squeezed the man's arm, and the man would push him down, right? And pin him down. Mm-hmm. That so, night, Junaid Baghdadi saw Rasulullah had a dream of the Prophet said, you were willing to put your name down for my offspring, I will make sure your name is up until your muqiyam. Actually, uh, Junaid al-Baghdadi has got two of my favorite quotes mm. as far as the self goes. One of which I might misattribute to him, but yeah. the the first one was that basically that uh, when he was going to learn, uh, I think it was either to sell for knowledge, he, either his shaykh told him or he, he told someone else I don't know I'm butchering this a little bit but he said you must learn Sharia first mm-hmm. and then Tasawaf and not the other way around exactly. if you learn Tasawaf first mm-hmm. and then Sharia 
then you can go wildly astray. You're wildly astray. Yeah. Like like so many people today. I mean, like Reseslan's thing. <laughs> right? So, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This guy's getting butchered. He After goes, this? listen, no, this is exactly what I'm talking about. He goes, today. look. Uh, the ch- my, my Islam, which is the Sufi tradition. It's not the Sufi. He said right? that? No. What That's did he say? in a CNN article yeah. that people are sending me. Right? I wish they haven't sent me so I don't have to get a headache. Yeah. Right? My Islam. Sometimes you get mad at people. Dot, dot, dot. That's like yeah. me. Yeah. Which is, he says, my Islam, which is something, which blah, whatever, some words in between, which yeah. is the Sufi tradition. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Is, I'm, a, I'm not a Muslim because it's any truer than any other religion. Parentheses, it's not. Okay, so this is not Sufism and it's not Islam, and this is why Sufism, Sufism is gone because of these types. It's been so misused, and it's just like, that's what he said. My Islam. Yeah, like the Islam that he follows. Islam. Islam. I want to argue. I want to argue a little later that it seems that there's been like, this newest one's a new phase, but there's been like three distinct phases in terms of how the uh, Turok have kind of organized. Not right now. Uh, We'll get to that in a second. But the other the thing about uh, Imam uh, Junaid's Sharia first was he the one he also was he the one who said that I don't take any ilham or any inspiration Mm -hmm. without two witnesses. That's correct. The Quran and the oh, that's great. Sunnah. That's exactly it. So why Sufism has uh, been used by her- heretical group and Sheikh Sadiq says any group that wants to bring their bid'ah in Islam, they're going to come through the door of Sufism because the many people imagine that that Sufism allows for a third source of knowledge, right? Which is inspiration Secret. that can contradict the Quran. And so, yes, Tasawwuf uh, allows for three types of of, of uh, three types of sources. The Quran, the Sunnah, and the applied experience of those two. So whenever a Sufi Sheikh says, okay, do this dhikr 450 times or 300 times, what is the basis of it? His basis is that it worked for him because it's relative. Like, how, well, how much dhikr should I do? Right? How much, how much should I do? What's a lot? What's little? Because Allah says a lot many times in the Quran. Allah says, remember Allah, much. So what's much? It's subjective, right? So that's why uh, the ulama, they allow for this third, and it's never contradictory to the sources, and it will never also be a fard. It's just like a recommend, not even sunnah. It's just like from experience. Right? Yeah. So, so yeah. like um, a lot of people, when they hear the term, so let me back up a little bit. A lot of people have now a cringe reaction to anything Related to Tasawwuf, dhikr. Uh, so, for I'll give you an example. Somebody recently told me, you know, when we have like our dhikr nights, right, turning off the lights, right, this is like, uh uh-uh, uh, like I, they can't do this, oh, right? Yeah. I don't know, right? Bidah? No, it's not even just bidah. Bi- lights are bidah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> We're canceling out the bidah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what hap- this is logic <laughs> and people are lacking in this <laughs> that destroyed the whole argument <laughs> no, but I, I think uh, I actually want to follow up on that a little so bit, so like uh, you know like a lot of people they're just like Irrationally afraid of the soul. Emotional reaction. Yeah, I wouldn't emotion. say it's irrational, though. I would, I would disagree emotionally, with that. emotionally. Because well, that's what it was one of the things I wanted to get into. There's been a lot of I'm going to use the word mutation. That's going a good word. on that's where a good word. 
a lot of the infrastructure that exists nowadays, and I'm not saying it with respect to Group Dicker, which I think is relatively safe and, and, and from a long, all the way to the province also. Yeah, but there has been a lot of, I'll just call it infrastructure set mm-hmm. up, yes. codification, which at least I have not been able to trace it back yeah. to the earlier, and that's what I was going to talk about, the different generations of Tosoov. The original ones, it was just like Zuhud and mm-hmm. approaching to Allah, uh, yeah. and, and and even like if you look at the Salafi like uh, literature, they're like, yeah, back when they were closer to the Sunnah, yeah, they, so they don't say 100 No one differs yeah. on those early scholars or, right. or early Sufi. No one differs on those. So even if you look at like Salafis who write about like Abdul Qadir Jani, Rahmatullah, they, yeah. and they were like, he was a very pious person, blah, right, blah, right. and he's free from everything they attribute to him. Yeah. But Somewhere, and this is actually one of the areas that I'm just going to be interested in to learn, is that where did this infrastructure kind of set up where this relationship between the peer and the sheikh and the role of the sheikh almost as an intermediary mm. uh, between the, it, the yeah. murid and, the, and, I, I, and Allah, mm. where did this kind of build up a little to the point now where there's so much that just looks so confusing to people where it's like oh my murshid can do this and before you go on with that di- ple- d- uh, when you answer the question define murshid murid Sorry. what that means okay. uh, as well uh, you um, to yeah that. I just wanted to uh, Dr. Shadi touched on it a little bit when he mentioned the transition of tasawwuf being for these people who had the ability to sacrifice their dunya and go off and practice by themselves or with just their their, their shaykh when it becomes the thing of the common people right mm-hmm. And then the common people can have access to this science the way that common people can have access to the other sciences of Islam. Uh, unfortunately, that lends itself to imposters and abusers mm-hmm. coming exactly in. And well, they, That's a great point. But they did have some, I don't use the word assistance, from some of the ulama at the time too, where the ulama would also justify certain practices. And then it seemed like generation by generation, we get pushed a little further and a little further. And then some of the later ulama would say, well, yeah. Well, so like, like, if they're practices that are haram, then obviously they shouldn't have been accepted at all. But if it's a matter of ijtihad, like lights, low lights, bright lights, like all of this is, uh, it, there's a difference between that and having men and women sitting in the same circle together. Or yeah, true, but something that's clearly haram. But right? what it gets to is you, you can almost start to find a scholar justifying anything. It's just oh, yeah. that there's fewer oh. of them. I mean, it's yeah. like that yeah. in sick too, though. Yeah. Like, like we just had a guy a couple of weeks ago. Again, your people, Sheikh. Yeah. Giving Who's a fatwa that? that you can drink beer as long as you don't get drunk. Oh, yeah. Right? Hey, like, your people. What's his name? What was his name? That was your people? I thought your Khaled, people like uh, O'Ailey them. like, like, whoa, whoa. His name is Khaled al-Gindi. Oh, your people is an Egyptian. Yeah. I was like, Egyptian. wait a minute. I was like, yeah, yeah. The Egyptian. Remember, we just He's studied. He's an Azari. Yeah. We just studied in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet wasallam said, the family of such and such, and he named the family, are not my my people, my supporters, not my awliya. Rather, my awliya is Allah and Salih al-Mu'mineen, right? And the righteous believers, right? And Imam Nawi comments and he says, Note that the Prophet named them, right? He named them and he said, I disavow from them. So in that case, even in the, the Mal- Malikiyah, have this concept that the, the, the Mubtada' should be named so that the people stay away from them, right? So this Khalid al-Gindi is fraud, a fraud basically, who in the beginning just came out as a popular preacher, used to wear a suit, right? Apparently, he had graduated from Azhar. Allegedly. Right? Who, allegedly. And who then knows again, what that means? What does it even mean? Yeah, what does that even mean? <laughs> right? So, uh, now, he's actually trying to make himself into, like, a big sheikh, 
and he's wearing the Azhari uniform, right? Uh, but he pre- right? he previously wrote about having an Urfi marriage with some Christian woman, which it's is insane. not a marriage; it's just an affair. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, so many. I mean, he, he admitted also, himself. He also said, "Why not have uh, in Why not have in uh, the Maulid have a tree, right? And uh, have a tree and give gifts and uh, you know." Imam Saraj needs to talk to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so anyway, my point in raising that is that. This is this this happens across the board with the Islamic sciences. It happened earlier with Tasawwuf because Tasawwuf became very, uh, to use a, a term poorly, democratized yeah. very early on, right? And it's something that's easy. Even if you can't read, you can learn a word, right? Yeah. You can memorize a hundred salawat on the Prophet. And because you're in trust, because this is something that's very intimate and it's you and Allah, right? You you build up a lot of trust with the person that's supposed to be guiding you, and it's easy. So that, that's where the hucksters come in and they take yeah. advantage. So, doctor, um, but you can find it in, in every in every field now. Yeah, I, I would think that Tassau is much more amenable. To, Dr. Shadi, to what extent did um, the Batania school kind of intersect? Or was that did that predate? The Batanis are a Shia group. Okay. Now it's funny that what you're saying is that because in the past Muslims were pious. Uh, the common folk is generally there is society was pious and religious so it was easy for someone to come in and become an imposter right today the definition of what is islam how many imposters do we have for that in america Tons. right and the people have, are more wary of, sh- of peers and yeah and so and people are like wary of peers and murshids yeah. and they're not going to be duped by that because we're not even that requires a degree of piety and the desire to draw near to god today we have a people let's say western muslims who they're trying to figure out what Islam is. How many people, how many voices are there in this uh, race to tell everyone what Islam is? And for the same reason, because they're cashing out. Yeah, they're cashing out. It's an industry. It's actually quite popular. And you basically are talking to people who have no access to the sources, right, themselves. Many, Most of them don't speak Arabic themselves, don't have knowledge themselves. So as a result, you go in on CNN.com and you go to all these places and you got the imposters and a lot speaking of, in behalf of Islam. And one of the features of the fake peers of the past, or even to this day in like, uh, you know, more rural areas and places like that. One of the one of the features is that there's you find in their in, the, in their personal life, a certain laxity when it comes to women, when it comes to halal income, when it comes to what they eat, and drink. About who? The fake peers and the fake oh, okay. yeah. and then you you find modernists today laxity in these same, the same fields, thing, yeah. and they're still they're still selling the most. And yeah. you know, there's as an aside, this is the most offensive thing in the world is using religion, abusing religion for personal gain. Yeah, like using you can't you can't afterlife. possibly believe in Allah if you do exactly. That. You're using afterlife for this life. Yeah. How does that make any sense? How does that trade make any sense? And that's why these are Islam commentators. We should call them Islam commentators. Yeah. That's what they are. So uh, two generations ago in uh, Afghanistan, they would have called themselves peer so-and-so. Yeah. Now exactly. they're uh, doctor so-and-so yeah. and they're on TV. Exactly. <laughs> but it's the, same, exactly. it's the same kind of hustle. Yeah. They're, they're just on Twitter instead of in the masjid. They yeah. will probably be in some zawiya or some other wearing, a unif- wearing uh, the Sufi garb, right? And today they're wearing whatever Western uniforms, and they're on Twitter. I mean, they're still charlatans, just in a yeah, Of course, just, instead of, of selling snake oil, they said they're selling like yeah. you know books. <laughs> they're selling right. snake pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but to to, to see Yusuf's point, there's a Sheikh of Tariq that uh, that I that I really admire. Who he actually takes the position that I don't want non uh, students of knowledge yeah. as murid. Yeah, they're gonna ruin. And he literally says, if I go bad. You should be able to recognize it because That's of your excellent. knowledge, 
and yeah. walk away. And not, it, so that's I don't want people who can be duped. That's you know that's amazing. <clears throat> that's true, and, you know? Yeah. And also think about this: if you're around a whole bunch of people who could be duped, that's actually very corrupting for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You're surrounded by hundreds of millions of people. Okay, so if one guy calls you out, you could use your emotion against him <laughs> and get the gang to kick him out. Mm -hmm. But what happens if everyone's literate in, in Sharia and Aqidah, right? You can't, you can't go wrong. You're actually, that's good sahbah, right? It keeps you in check, right? And a lot of these mashaykh, mashallah, they're already pious as is, but uh, you need, you always need someone to keep you in check. That's but, so good. That I was actually going to bring this up a little while back, but that, but that just reminded me of, of my personal experience with studying, uh, with studying fiqh. And I think that's one of the reasons why we st we started off this discussion with fiqh and, uh, and why, uh, why the teaching personally of Dr. Shadi really appealed to me was that because when I began to study fiqh, uh, specifically Maliki fiqh, and is that all the texts from Maliki fiqh, immediately, the first thing that you get is the sawf, aqidah, and fiqh. And they put that in there. But they put the sawf within the, the labels of fiqh. And Dr. Shadi once told me, and it was, honestly, it, it changed my perspective on fiqh completely. And he said the first pillar to the sawf is fiqh and is understanding and lowering your t yourself to what Allah wants you to do and not what you yeah. want to do. Unfortunately, a lot of it's the a big ego breaker. Fiqh is a huge ego breaker. So is Aqidah too, mm. right? A lot of the groups, unfortunately, today, they claim 100% conformity to Sharia. Mm -hmm. They say, we are 100% Sharia compliant. We don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> not Sharia compliant. By the way, there's another group of Muslims that does that. <laughs> <laughs> That's season two. That's season two. They're not. They have not yeah. been educated enough, let's say, in fic or whatever, and they think they have this ability. And I mean, this is tying in a whole bunch of different well, things. Well, there's actually an easy way around this issue, right? Because if you look in the past, you look in the past. Many, if you read biographies or stories of the past, many mashaykh would say stuff like, um, they would say, "We went to visit so and so, right? We went to visit Sheikh so and so." Sheikh so-and-so came to visit us, right? So what is that? Peer, re peer review. P-E-E-R. Review. Hold on. Somebody. Alex just went. So you're going to have to restart that convo okay. because Alex just, Alex just went and like washed dishes while you were like. He started making dinner or something. And the apron on. We're talking about Tasawwuf and Dr. Shadi had like used dishes in front of him. I had to go take them and, and do some. The khidma is, is obligatory, man. <laughs> I could have waited like <laughs> I could have waited like forty minutes. I could not. Alhamdulillah, me Allah rewarded. But what, go you, you go back to what you were saying. The best part is we're using plastic bowls. <laughs> <laughs> Yusuf was saying so many people make the complaint that they're following Sharia. So how are we supposed to know, right? So this is a great in any industry. How are we supposed to know that you know what you're doing? Okay, so you claim to have studied all this. You show me a piece of paper that says a degree on it. What does that mean? So in any industry, it's very it's easy to dupe the non-people outside the industry, the common folk. You can't dupe other experts, right? So what I was saying is that in the past, you read a lot of stories where Sheikh so-and-so visits Sheikh so-and-so. Yeah. Or Sheikh so-and-so came to the masjid or the zawiyah of Sheikh so-and-so and, and visited. So what is that? That's an inter it's an interconnected network of scholars. That becomes it's not just two three connecting with each other because they could be in on it right a vast connection of scholars who recognize one another 
at that point it becomes very hard to dupe right right it becomes very even uh in america we we do have a burgeoning sort of network of young second generations i, I would say advanced students of knowledge who are good leaders in their communities right and there may be some secondary differences right and some primary differences that we would have but in light of the wave of reform islam or the commentators the frauds that we're talking about right like the complete frauds and uh, uh you could say neo mautezila that are changing the deen and re- trying to redefine it they're together these this new cohort of young second generation are also all uh maybe second generation is not the right word because some of them are converts and some of them are third generation african-americans right so they're standing in front of this and they they all know each other comment uh you know talk regularly to one another right give support to one another right and that's where that networking comes in you know so that so that a person could know yeah what is the sharia well if everyone's agreeing on certain things, right. uh, if he was a fraud, he would have been called out by someone. Right. Right. So, <clears throat> or would have leaked down the grapevine that this guy's actually a fraud. Yeah. So we, now, and we'll say it on air. Yeah. <laughs> Just like what we've been saying about Reza Aslan all day. I mean, we, <laughs> we we said we. I mean, I think it's fairly clear to everyone now who he. Even if they don't know who he is, they're gonna. They're gonna. He's, he's already go- famous. I mean, who we're not adding to his fame, right? Or like giving him attention that it would have been undue. Everyone knows who Reza Aslan is. He's got a show on uh, CNN. Right. That's so what the whole, really? when we have or to like where, wherever it's on, it's yeah. on believer. It's called believer, right? So technically, like it's if a he perennialist like, show, basically. He goes around looking at different religions, something like that. Yeah. But if yeah. he were to like recount, recant like everything he said, by the time we release this podcast, we'd have to like edit everything. Though. No, we'd come back and we'd do an addendum. <laughs> we do it like the newspapers. We'll put it on the 88th page. Erotic. No, if he if he whisper re- volume, <laughs> if he recants it, I would be the first person. Right to have full respect for that. Of right? course, yeah. If he recanted all that stuff, um, recanting actually, you have to, you know, it takes a lot of guts to recant. You mm-hmm. have to know the original position in the first place, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, not to get sidetracked. Yeah. Not that we haven't all night, but like, fun stuff is the sidetracking. No, I think it's really important for Muslims not to be intimidated by the by popularity. Yeah. You see, okay. Someone, uh, the guy wins the Oscar. Okay, we want to make Kadianis. What? How silly are we? Right? Mm. How silly are we? But, Respect the guy as an actor, whatever. Enjoy his movie, whatever. I don't care. But that's not has nothing to do with theology. Yeah, yeah exactly. nothing to do with the deal. Right. Like I said at the beginning, even yeah. if he was like the most righteous, pious Muslim, who cares? What does his Oscar do for you as a community? Yeah. You got acknowledged by Hollywood. Exactly. Do you understand who's acknowledging you? <laughs> That's it. In, in the words exactly. of Sheikh Hamza, yeah. you get acknowledged by the kufr. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Old, old Sheikh Hamza. Yeah. You get acknowledged. Um, yeah. But you know what? Uh, to, to bring it back to Yusuf's point, there's a lot of hucksters. And there's a lot of hucksters that used to sell with. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't side skirt that and act yeah. like everybody who says there's a Sufi is somehow... You well, know, a righteous it's, Muslim. It's, it's almost more, more sinister than that because some groups not only do they not emphasize learning like fit, but they actually try to suppress it. Well, of course, oh, Elizabeth, they, this they, is the biggest sin of Tasawwuf. That's it, that's goofy. Yeah. And I, this, is, this is this is now. I mean, yeah. I don't want to say too much, but this is not like hearsay. Like mm-hmm. we've seen this. Like, oh yeah, I've, of course. I've seen yeah. people say, "Oh, don't read hadith. Don't read yeah. hadith." Oh, because so the first thing that you're gonna have, first thing's gonna happen if you read hadith, you're gonna go against your sheikh. As what? if going against the shit. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. I mean, well, 
If there, if you're reading hadith, means you go against your sheikh. There's a problem with your sheikh. <laughs> and your sheikh is going against. The Don't hadith. read the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What's your hierarchy of sources? Yeah, that's a dajjal well, right it. there. That's a dajjal. <laughs> so this is, yeah. so this that's is ridiculous. I mean, I mean, this I mean the the biggest. Remember what we said that the the uh, the misguidance of the ummah is divided into a couple categories. The first one is reason over revelation. Second one is. Cursing Sahaba and wives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Third one was anthropomorphism. Well, the fourth one Gufiyah. was Gufiyah, right? Which is spirituality over revelation. Which these claims, these spiritual claims, the subjectivity, right? These claims, right? Over revelation. And these groups actually, they'll foster a like a, an animosity towards, towards ilm. traditional yeah. scholars. Yeah. They'll say, they oh, you're, you're the uh, scholars of... Oh, yeah, or, exactly. Right. Yeah. Himal Awraq was Subhanallah, uh, yes. And I met a guy who was like this, right? He started off good. He became like this, right? He so became like this. This is an argument for learning Sharia, learn, learning fiqh yeah. first and then do tasawwuf because you have no mechanism to understand when you're slipping or falling down. Yeah, into exactly. A pit. Yeah. And yeah. once you're in the pit, even Aqidah. Even Aqidah, yeah. 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 Before that. Well, once yeah. you're in the pit, then you learn not to question and you've been exactly. indoctrinated yes. into this thing. And, and here's the thing is that. Uh, if you are learning the right thing from the right people, even when you're studying aqidah and fiqh, it's tasawuf, right? Mm -hmm. Because you you correct your beliefs, Allah becomes more pleased with you, right? Nur is coming down in the gathering. When you're do, practicing right fiqh, right? Your, your, your nur is increasing. Iman is increasing. Allah is being more pleased with you. Right. So you're already halfway there. Now the last chapter of your study is going to be about the more intricate, deep things that are hard to find in yourself. How do I know if I'm being arrogant? How do I know if I'm, right? right? Or tahajjud, right? What's the point of teaching someone tahajjud? He doesn't even pray fajr, right? Yeah. So yeah, fajr, absolutely. Absolutely. and then tahajjud, and then dhikr. Now, once you got a, a person who's stabilized, yeah. then his spirituality will not take him to go crazy, right? So this stage one of a lot of turuk is make your prayer. Five times a day without missing it for X number of days yeah. before you do anything else in the yeah. tariq. This yeah. is your first step is go 40 days without missing so mm -hmm. long time. Right. Yeah. That's a so, big deal. Mm -hmm. So like now that we've talked about the concept of Baya, Tariqa. Uh, we didn't talk about Baya. Oh, we didn't talk about Baya. Oh, so okay. So now uh, let's talk about Baya. What is Baya? Baya, to, 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 to speak in a contextual sense, just the context is one of the means that many um, of the frauds have used. So many people are allergic to this concept for a correct reason, a sound reason, valid reason. Bay'a, all it is, is an agreement. It's an actual legal procedure in which you agree, right, to receive certain, you, you, you agree to follow someone, right, in certain matters, and that person in turn agrees to look out for your well-being in certain matters, right? This is what it means. People take that to mean like the sheikh will take them to like no slavery to, to Jannah as like slavery to the slave, right? So like, can you elaborate? Okay. Like on so that what we mean bit? is this: in the past, right, a sheikh he wants to give have concern for people, right? How he's not going to go and waste his time with someone who you know, wants to uh, learn and then one day stops learning and then one day 
follows him, one day doesn't follow him, etc. Right? One day listens to him, one day doesn't listen to him. He doesn't want nonsense like this. Because, remember, we're not talking about basic lessons of fard kifaya, right? I mean, fard dayin. Basic thing. We're not talking about basic things like that. We're talking now advanced things. In order for you to advance, right, you need to actually do certain things. To take it seriously every single day. So bay'ah is a statement that, yes, I will commit to this so that you're not wasting your time, right? In turn, that sheikh will take care and look after his murid. When I say he will look after, no one is ever saying, we'll take him to Jannah. How do we even know who's going to Jannah? This is not this is not what we're doing. But he will take care of them. He will give them the time of day, right? If you actually follow up on the lessons or on the dhikrs that are given to you and the practice that I'm telling you to do, I will follow up with you. I will give you the time. And that's why some sheikhs, they have uh, disciples. Right. You could say, this is not a student anymore. This is a disciple. Right? Like Murid's disciples. Murid is a disciple. The sheikh will travel to that continent once a year to see them, to meet them, right? To keep encouraging them, to keep watching, answer the, to, to discuss with them, etc., etc. So this is something that is, right? This is something that's quite important. Right. And uh, the sheikh's care... And his uh, concern for his people is, is very important. So uh, th- that's the pure meaning of that term, right? Bay'ah, which has taken a lot of other things. And I'm warning people, right? You don't just, this is not some kind of game, a uh, cool thing. This is a very serious commitment that very few people on the earth are worthy of this degree of attention, right? That you would say, yes, I will take you as my spiritual coach. Right, that's really that's what it is. It's a spiritual coach, so uh, this is not a simple thing. And it really rubs me the wrong way completely when you go to a group of college students or uh, some fluffy people, and they're just passing around. Oh, I took Bayo so I took Bayo Was this is a trip to Florida? Yeah. Right. Cruise. This is this isn't a cruise. No, no, forget the trip. Online Bayo. Online. Online yeah. Bayo. Look I mean, at the picture. Is, yeah, I yeah. follow him this, on Instagram. This is not a joke. This is not some I kind of a joke. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that, this is not. This is no, a serious. And I'm looking at people. I'm like, you don't have any discipline. You haven't. How are you going to? Do you understand what you're even involved in? So that rubs me the wrong way. There, are, there are people, Sheikh, and who you know as well. Who yeah. it would take you. You'd know them for years, and you'd never know that they have a Sheikh of Tariq. Mm-hmm. Because they don't talk about That's it. That's how it's supposed to be. This is not a, a, a show-off thing. Right? Yeah. And also, many other sheikhs, they realize they want to help people. People want help. But we're, people are weak these days. Today, people are weak. So they won't call it bay'ah. They'll just say, take a promise between yourself and Allah that you're going to do these things. It's called ahd, which is less. It's just a promise, right? So so in in essence, bay'ah, in theory, there is nothing uh, prohibited about it. It's an agreement between two people. You, I'll take, I'll give you the t- light of day to help you out. I'll look out for you, but you got to do, you got to take the medicine. That's basically the yeah. agreement. Just to piggyback on some of the abuses, one of the things that they say, okay, this is irrevocable, and then if you do this, basically you're jeopardizing your afterlife. spiritual future, your afterlife, and that, uh, hmm. you know, there's only one. They basically get into the whole, uh, you know, like the. Uh, Yom Alastu, right? The, yeah. the day that Allah brought the souls forth before creation, or before they were, we were put on earth. Yeah. And they said, okay, the sheikh is assigned to you on that day. And that, yeah. you only have the one sheikh. This is your destiny. Okay, see, yeah, me. see these types of things to me, uh, and uh, to me, to, then what we're taught and the way our, the sheikhs that we 
uh, have, especially Sheikh Sadiq and you know his Sheikh Murabat al Hajj. If something is like this is a ghaib, right? right? So if you're going to use speak of the ghaib, you have to have a senad. Right. If that's not in a hadith, then I can't base action on that. I'm not saying okay. Let's say someone says, well, I had a a, a vision that showed this. Okay, I can't say you're lying. You're not contradicting anything, but I can't base action on that either, right? right? Bay'ah, by the way, is a lot similar to marriage, right? In the respect that it's not obligatory, but once you you enter it at will, but once you enter it at will, it's a contract. It's an agreement. And just like marriage, there is a method of getting out of that, right? There's some ways that you can get out of it without cause. If your sheikh becomes uh, alcoholic, for example, right? You can get out of it immediately, right? And if otherwise then you come out of it and it's almost like breaking up uh, a contract then you fast three days that's actually the fiqh of bayah there's fiqh for bayah yeah i was just gonna say that even if he becomes an alcoholic i know a story of a brother who uh <laughs> and this is in the united states was with us some phony sheikh who would drink alcohol in front of the members of the tariq just to show that it didn't affect him and that he was he was above this and he had control and mastery over these things. <laughs> that's, that's like <laughs> you, that you street fighter. When he told uh, me that, I was like, how long were you with that guy? He yeah. was like, only a few months. I was like, that's, that's that, a problem. What, like three months? That's, that's 89 days too long. <laughs> <laughs> so there, I think there's two major veils that a lot of people who are affiliated with the, these groups uh, mm -hmm. suffer from. Then one... You actually brought it up in one of the earlier podcasts. This is obsession with secrets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like you're going like, to like, unlock the doors. Yeah. It's like yeah. you people just build these illusions in their mind. It's and all illusions in the important. mind. Yeah. And you know. this, I'm telling you, there is nothing better than companionship. I was about to say brotherhood, but we can't even say terms like that anymore. <laughs> right? There's nothing better than companionship. Tighten it. Gender neutral associations. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing better than uh, brotherhood, strong friendship, companionship of a pe a group of people. I'm right? gonna miss this for a few months. <laughs> <laughs> loosely or loosely connected, right? Uh, loosely, I mean, like no formal, no formality, right? Uh, based upon sound knowledge, right? With no. You know, sometimes uh, so, so, some symbolic hierarchy sometimes is needed, but sometimes nothing, no hierarchy at all. Just a group of friends, right? Seeking ilm with pure sound knowledge, aqaid. So you would know certain like this secrets. No, we know our 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 our, our um, no our what no uh, epistemology. We know our epistemology. We know our sources, right? We know our sources. The guidance is not by secrets. Guidance is there for everyone to have, right? Right. Secret, keep it to yourself. Right, you got a secret. You got a special relationship with with some unseen. Keep that to yourself. Mm -hmm. but you're not going to use that to get over us and start blackmailing us right, and right. start dividing, conquer on us. I guarantee you, this is the method of of many charlatans. They take, they get one guy convinced that this that he has some secret behind him, right? And then he uses that to divide and conquer. He'll brainwash one guy, and then use one guy as his knife or his wedge to divide and conquer the group. And those people who suffer under those regimes of tyranny are lose their iman oftentimes. Right. They yep. burn out of religion. That's right. And one of the false or, or false correlations that people make is when they first join a, a, a tariqa, yeah. they start to exert effort in towards the dhikr and stuff like that. And they start to see results. Yeah. But they correlate it towards them being in that specific tariqa yes. under that specific shape. And they say that 
oh, this is, you, I can't explain it's working. this. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. Well, what's working? Yeah. In fact, you're doing more salawat. That's you're true. Doing more dicker, yeah, so. the, uh, which is, which the, these are things that are done outside too. And right. this is exactly what happens to every person. As soon as he joins any religious teacher or group, right. you're going to find benefit. So he attributes it to that actual individual, right? And that's why many people have attachments right. to their first religious inspiration. If he's guided, good for you. If he's not, then no good. This is like people who go on a vegan diet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it really is. And for the first couple of months, man, amazing results. I feel yeah. so great. Yeah. I This is definitely... No. Yeah. All that happened is you stopped eating garbage yeah. and you're like actually conscious of what you're eating. Exactly. But if you were doing that with like really organic, yeah. pure meats, uh-huh. grass-fed, organ yeah, exactly. meats, you'd have the same result. Better even. <laughs> by, the way, by the way, how do you know somebody's vegan? They'll tell you. Saad's <laughs> <laughs> had great jokes tonight. Listen, they say that about the subway guy, right? Yeah. You know the famous guy who lost yeah. weight on the subway? Yeah, I know a lot of things about that guy. But, <laughs> but they say that one of the reasons that he has uh, lost the weight was his walk to the actual subway. Mm, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you think of that, if you're taking that walk on a regular basis like that, right? You know, you're going to lose some weight. You saw how big that guy was before? That's a guy. For him, something else was wrong. Yeah, for him to go from once down to one sandwich each meal is a huge cut. It doesn't matter what he went. If he went down to that many calories from anything, he would have lost weight. And and you don't know what was happening before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like in the NFL when there's a comeback in the NFL. Oh, so team came back from 25 points down. Well, in the fourth quarter. Wait a second. There's a point at that point. The other team messed the game up, right? Yeah. right. So there's another factor. So there, so people, yeah. uh, when they shift from a life of 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 disobedience and heedlessness, right. any religious group that they join is going to make a huge difference, right? Because of the variation. But the, exactly what you're saying is right. Uh, you cannot attribute it. Our dean is it's open. It's objective. Yes, there are dreams. There are secrets. Secrets land something that maybe Allah showed you, right? Because we believe in dreams. We don't believe they're wrong. We believe in karamats. But we don't believe in one individual having like a hegemony, having control over your destiny. This is tyranny, right? We have guides. We accept that. We listen to the guide. If you have a, a sheikh and he's upright, righteous, and he's out there with knowledge, right? And you want to follow that sheikh and you love him more than you love anyone else in the world, it's all that's part of our deen. I would add, and you're willing to walk away if it doesn't. If yeah, it, and, and if you are brainwashed, then if that shit goes down the wrong path, you go down the wrong path, then you were misguided in the first place. So the, right. the, the second veil I wanted to, besides secrets, is these, this obsession with titles like Qutb or Sultan al or yeah. Goth, or if you look. There's like 500 Ghoth and like oh, 10,000 yeah. Qutums and like, and they all say there can only be five. Yeah. And yeah. it's yeah. definitely not any of those except the one I believe in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, basically for those who are in, uh, familiar with these terms, uh, these terms are part of, um, uh, I would say, Aqidah at a level that is not an obligatory belief, right. but it is there in the Hadith of the Prophet wasallam. And Imam Siyuti has an essay upon this. Right. That the on the earth are ibad of Allah Azza wa Jal. Certain number of them are on the heart of Prophet Ibrahim. Certain number of them, or one on the heart of Ibrahim. Or then uh, two on the heart of Angel Mika'id. The meaning right. similar to the heart of Angel Mika'id. And, and, and seven on this, and forty in this, right? right? And so on and so forth. 
and these have become called the Akhtab and the Abdad and the Nujaba and Nuqaba, and they are the um, hierarchy of awliya, right? Hierarchy of awliya. This belief, this matter, is a matter which we would say is for sure, 100%, not from the obligatory matters of Aqidah, right? But it's something that the Prophet did say, and we don't reject, right? Nor is it a wajib or even virtuous to try to look for them or find them. However, there's something, there's another reality too, right? There's another reality. If you love the deen, you love Allah, you would want to meet your qutb, the qutb. The qutb is considered the chief, uh, heart, the, the most pure heart, right? And the re- and, and Allah Azza wa Jal forgives people, right? In the sense, he, for, he, he will, for example, accept the hajj because of the, the one person whose dua was accepted. For example, that's an example of what we're talking about. So if a whole village could be, their dua is not accepted for a certain reason, but the one pious person, right? Because of him, all everyone else is, Allah will forgive everyone else. So going back this to is this an example. False correlation now, you enter a tariqah, mm-hmm. you do dhikr, you start to experience things. Yeah. Your sheikh's, or your sheikh's deputy says, yeah. he is the ghoth, yeah. the kutub. Uh-huh. So your mind just started to form around something that's getting difficult, exactly. and you didn't study fiqh before. Exactly. The concept of the qutubs and the awliya is basically just like the governments. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a king or prime minister or whatever, and then you have next order down, etc., etc. So the aqtab and the awliya, it's like the, div- the, the, the spiritual government, right. basically. right? And uh, I've never seen a tariqah except that they attribute right. that their sheikh is the qutub, right? and they can swear up and down, or that their sheikh's sheikh is the qutub, right. or he's one of the abda, or something like this. Yeah. Right, but the point is that um, in these matters, it's something that we believe in, but it's a ghaybi matter, right? right? And uh, it would be a belief that you're taking on that would be basically not, not you something not you can't prove, yeah. unverifiable. Yeah, you know. So, further to Yusuf's, I'm sorry, okay. further to Yusuf's point, I would say that there's a lot of people who take a tariq, um, having not studied anything about Islam before, and for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Not because they're seeking to improve um, their closeness to Allah, but to belong to a group, to belong to a group that has the fanciest outfits, mm-hmm. to belong to a group that has the biggest numbers, mm-hmm. to belong to the group that all their friends are attracted part of. to the unseen. Yeah, or, or yeah, this unseen. is which is kind of like it's this very weird thing that happens to people. I, I blame Star Wars. Well, part, it's, part it it's before <laughs> Star Wars too. But yeah. so I went to see a play a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a, it was a biography of C.S. Lewis. It's a one man show, and. You know, C.S. Lewis is this Christian author, but Alice was atheist for a long time. Uh, C.S. Alice. Lewis is Alice Narnia. 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 No, that's Lewis Carroll. That's, yeah. that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah C.S. Lewis. Like, uh, <laughs> you guys had to bring it up, man. That's <laughs> 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 on the line. <laughs> that was clever. Except, <laughs> so, except in Narnia, in, yeah. except in Narnia, it's a lion, yeah. Right? Yeah. not a so, virtuous. But he's Christian. He's yeah, Christ. He's Christian, and he's actually Christ, and he comes back too. Right? Yeah, so he wasn't from the dead. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so C.S. Lewis. The reason I went to see, I wanted to see it is because uh, you know C.S. Lewis has written a lot of really good stuff, like the Screw Tape Letters and things that are really instructive that Muslims can take benefit from. Um, anyway, aside from that. So the the plays put on by a Christian uh, group. They're on Broadway though, but it's a Christian group that that production group. Long story short, um, he's going o- through his process of becoming religious after having become an atheist as a teenager. And the first step when he first was like interested in anything was like occultism and stuff like that, right? 
And this is very much what Yusuf is just ta- talking about, right? Like they want to get into the unseen. Mm-hmm. They want to get into all the secrets. They want to yeah. get into the, the, the miracles and the old ad stories and people walking on water and people making mm-hmm. gold appear out of the sky. And this is like this obsession with the, the, the lower levels of the unseen yes. as opposed to the, the, tr- the, the higher reality of the unseen, which is your grave and Allah. SubhanAllah. Your, your grave, which is the practical reality, yeah. and Allah Azza wa Jal, who's the creator of all this, and even Ibn Ata mentions that this could be a type of shahwa, right? Yeah. A type of passion and desire, yeah. right? It's just a different type of. And uh, oftentimes, one Sheikh explained to me very well. He said people who have this is called uh, they call this jazba, um, right? And maybe in Urdu it's jazba, right? Yep. So basically, you are so attracted to the unseen that it's almost unhealthy, uh-huh. right? And he says, what's the explanation of jazba? And he gave a great explanation. And he said, the explanation of jazba is someone he has iman, and he wants to go in the good direction, but it's still mingled with the effects of sin that are blocking his. Uh, his vision, his, his vision, that's no, not his sinuses, <laughs> his vision. And it's also, he still possesses some of that desire for other than Allah. Right. So if he shifts from a sinner of the world, when he comes into religion, it's mingled, right? Yeah. But if he keeps practicing properly, yeah. right, then slowly his, he understands what does it mean to seek Allah and his, his obsession with spiritual realities. Right. Even if they may be true, he has an unhealthy obsession with them, goes down, and he finally understands and reaches a more stable uh, or a clearer view right. of yeah. things. So, so the reason. Go ahead. So, one thing, since it's getting. Uh, we're hitting like a considerable amount of time. Uh, one thing that I want to get in before you know we do wrap up um, is th- because of the idea of tariqas and tasawwuf, there's a lot of things that tariqas and tasawwuf do which are not necessarily because of the tariqah, but they're associated with tariqah. So for, I'll give you an example. For example, uh, visiting the grave of the saints, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you could do this outside of a tariqah as well, but people associate it generally to tariqahs, and because people have thrown out the tar- concept of tariqahs completely, right? they've also thrown out the concept of visiting the grave, the concept of tawassul, Right, so I want to talk about this a little bit, like because people just think, oh, visiting grave, shirk, right? Like, right. <laughs> right? So I want to talk about <laughs> grave worshiper. Yeah. So, they don't, they don't, so they don't go see their grandmother at the grave. Yeah. So, like, I mean, this is like visiting grave, shirk, right? Any <laughs> visiting a saint, shirk, like all this is shirk, 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 everything. So I want to talk about this as well. It has real life consequences, though. We're joking about it, but you see what the what these what these uh, extremist Salafis are doing in places like. Like like in uh, Libya, in, in Libya, yeah. digging up. Ahmed Zarouk, Sheikh Ahmed Zarouk. So Ahmed Zarouk, who was against a lot of, uh, he's against. If who's they, against if they a lot had of a clue. If they just had a clue, who was Sheikh Ahmed Zarouk, they would take him as an ally. He's what you'd term a super soul Yeah, Subhanallah. <laughs> he he used to say fiqh before tasawwuf, right? And the what you're saying is basically whenever we say awliya, right? Uh, we really, it's shorthand for the phrase which means we, in our estimation, this is one that has the signs of wilaya. What are the signs of wilaya? The signs of wilaya is objective. It's in the Quran and Hadith, right? It's just in the Quran and Hadith. Uh, uh, it's the Jabhat al-Dawah, that their dua is accepted. 
that they're inspired, right? They're clearly inspired. Because when Allah says, Kuntu sam'ahu I'm his hearing when he hears. I'm his seeing when he hear, when he sees. I'm his hand when he strikes. I'm his foot when he walks. One of the ulama explained this, the summary of, he's inspired. When he, do, when he does little, much result, good result comes from it, right? And this is from the hadith of Wilayah. Uh, if someone opposes him, that that person gets strike, struck down, right? That's another uh, later. thing that's abused. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of things are abused. But when we say a wali, as Allah gives us signs of hypocrites, no one knows who the hypocrites are, right? But there are signs of hypocrisy. No one knows who's truly a believer, but there are signs of iman. And no one knows who's truly a wali, but there are signs of wulaya. So when people see these signs upon a person, Right, and then what is the greatest sign of wilayah? Uh, istiqamah upon not only obligations but also nawafil, right? Uh, 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 istiqamah upon the nawafil. That's a sign of wilayah. So uh, it's a means and a sign. So um, when we say that a wali, when we say that phrase, we say that what we mean is that those signs are on that person. And then at that point, uh, his any place that that person was is a place that has Sakina has come down there. Nur is there, right? Including where that person is, is buried, right? So, so if you're saying that there isn't, at that point you're saying that the, even the graves of the prophets should follow the same analogy, right? So the graves and any place in which those people were become a place that is special. Why else did the Prophet ﷺ go to the grave of Sayyidina Musa and the birthplace of Sayyidina Isa? Because wherever the pious were, Right has retained some element to it, and that's why uh, some uh, what we would call baraka, baraka or sakina, is a better word for it, sakina. So uh, that's why people visit the graves of the salihin of the past and the awliya of the past. That's why they go, and anyone should do that. And when it's done, it should be done in a, sh- a way of a shari way, right? Are you going to pray for them to give you a baby or this or that? This that, that definitely not, right? We don't make dua too any other person except Allah Azza wa Jal is using someone as a means which means that by your being this is how Sayyidina Muhammad Ali Maliki explained it by your doing something good for someone number one believing uh, good about them loving them right making dua for them any type of good connection then you are drawing near to Allah making Allah pleased with you through that connection that's what wasila is in a nutshell in a nutshell, that's what wasila is. Because what is wasila? Present your good deed to Allah Azza wa Jal, and Allah will give you what you're asking for. That's wasila in a nutshell. Well, what a better good deed than I believe some positively about this man, and I love him, and I'm uh, connected to him, right? Right. <clears throat> Allah commanded us to sahbat al-salihin, right? So that's basically the concept of wasila. Right. Yeah. Um, but what about the con? You brought up a couple of concepts, so just want to elaborate because it's connected to the idea of turuk, right? Um, the idea of tawassul and there's the concept of istighatha. A lot of people get it confused, mm-hmm. right? Just of visiting the grave, people making dua, like people say it's like, oh, the Sufis are all grave worshippers, no, right? So that. like, uh, why why do people think this? Well, there oh, are man. some there are some abuses though. To be fair, so can that, you can you elaborate? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not it's, sure. it's 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 what the so the supplicant, let's say, what is he asking? Is he or is his hands raised towards Allah, hmm. or is his hands raised towards the person in the grave? Who is doing what? Like you said. Yeah, do, so that's do, a question of what's the ultimate intention, right? Yeah. 
Well, yeah. So do you, do you expect this creation to benefit you or do you expect the ultimate benefit to be so from So it's Allah? also tied into the idea of, and I'm just going to tie in the Salafi thing a little bit, but can the, can the deceased hear? So mm-hmm. there's some disagreement on this in the first place that, I mean, basically the, the way I think is, okay, if the deceased can hear, and if it was such a person that if he were you know alive physically and I would ask for his dua, mm-hmm. then the two yeah. things together shouldn't suddenly put it in a, you know, uh, and and by the way, the the audition, the ability of the of the uh, of the dead to hear is a fit question. It's yeah. not an aqidah question, right? Instead, if he's turned it into an aqidah yeah, question and then an, anathemize the right. majority of Islam. Firstly, the, right. the, the the hearing of the de- the dead is confirmed. Right. Correct. The question is, can that de- deceased beseech Allah on behalf of the person who's coming to give him salams? I think that this a, is the question. I don't think there's a question, Sheikh, because yeah. you say salamu alaikum to the person in the grave. And he hears. And he says, wa alaikum salam. That's a dua. It's a dua. That's a, okay, so there's your answer right there. Right. Yeah. Because so, we know that the opinion of the Mashaikh is the answer is yes, this person who is in the grave, he's not gone in some kind of law, <laughs> right? He could still pray to yeah. Allah because the Musa alayhi salam, what was he doing? Yeah, praying. He was praying and reciting Quran, right? All of the prophets. Right, in and this is not a something the way prophets die, or what they do after their death, is not what makes them different from non-prophets. What makes prophets different from non-prophets is that they have no capacity to disobey Allah, Azzawajal. Right, that's the that and they receive revelation. That's the difference. So what happens to a wali, a martyr, a siddiq, right, can have a lot in common with what happens to a prophet after his death. And so this is the basis of why people went to the grave. Because they consider him, he just went to a different realm. He's still alive in his grave, right? And he's capable to beseech Allah Azza wa Jal, and he's capable to hear my voice. Yeah. To put these two and two together. And this yeah. is basically the It's no more shirk than me asking Dr. Shir, make dua for me. Right. Well, the Salafis, but then they'll, they'll put two more, you know, this is like the whole Tawheed, three Tawheeds, right? Or the, yeah, three Tawheeds, yeah. right? They'll say, just out of the mere resemblance to what the kuffar did yeah. this is enough to call something shirk regardless of the intention whether, whether the person says that uh, no we, I know that, that independently it's Allah who's gonna yeah listen if something's complicated right. and you have an unlearned person like we said like when Alex said that the uh, mass the, the masses are now looking for tasawwuf it becomes yeah. easy to abuse them right? right if an uneducated person is using an automobile we stop him right like if a fool is about to no, use yeah, an automobile, yeah. we stop him, right? If a fool is about to access religious texts and make laws, we stop him, right? If a fool is about to go and to the graves and he doesn't know what he's doing, right? And he's from a Hindu village, right? Or from some pagan village where they do these things, we would stop him. We won't say what you're doing is wrong. We would say you must be educated first right. before you go to visit a grave. If you don't know how to visit a grave like a Muslim, we'll teach you, Right? So that's uh, so that's the con- same concept of whenever uh, uneducated folk get involved in something, they could ruin. And, and by the way, just there's this whole thing. Oh, we're just being safe, just yeah. for just to stay on the safe side. We want, what you end sure. up with is jahils on the other yes, side. Yes, exactly. Right. Who to be safe means get educated. Like that, like that jahil that who if he wasn't an old man, yeah. he would he would have been in the dirt too. <laughs> Uh, so like uh, we were at a funeral and the people are making you know everybody's making that to Allah clearly Ya Allah Ya Rabb Allahumma and 
because everybody's standing in a circle. He goes, you know, this, it could be taken for shit. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, well, we know that the, that the, on the selfie side, to be honest with you, honest, the, they, they, the, some of them have gotten to an extreme that they want you to wake up in the morning. Right. And the first thing that you fear is to fall into shit. Woke up, right? Thinking about my tohid. Tohid, <laughs> right? And, and they have the same brainwashing happens in their methods. They got their, their five sheikhs or seven sheikhs, and it's not an order. But it's a different type of hierarchy where it, it's, the, it's five sheikhs, right? Yeah. And the, the whole Islam is by these five sheikhs, right? Yeah. Including the Qutb, Sheikh Bazmol. Islam. Yeah. So what, what, like there's five yeah. sheikhs I've never heard. What, 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 no, like, like they have a handful sheikhs. of sheikhs, right? Like, oh. yeah. oh, okay. Depending yeah. on which firqa you're talking about, it varies. Whether so, it's Sheikh Bazmul or... Yeah. <laughs> so there's know, a different Sheikh kind of... Rabbi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a different kind of... Not to move the subject ahead right away, but... Yeah. There's also tawassal, which is not, or istighata, which is not associated with the grapes, let's say, mm-hmm. where people say madad, mm-hmm. madad so and so. Like, you know, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of these little Sufi things that develop and become odd behaviors of cultures, right? And groups in America, and you're barely trying to get people to pray five times a day, and you got some kind of group yeah. that get together, and then they start saying slogans with one another. This stuff is just ridiculous, to be honest with you, right? And you talk, sometimes you look at these guys, he's like a progressive or a semi-perennialist, right? And yet he's quoting these little technicalities in Sufism, right? And it's a joke, you know? It's a joke. It has nothing to do with guidance. It's high schoolish. Honestly, it's high schoolish. There's a very famous group. They don't start any dicker without saying madad so-and-so, madad so-and-so, madad so-and-so. It's actually one of the things that, I mean, personally, I've stopped doing because it's just... You, you, and there's a concept, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit. Where you take, I think, it was in the context of bidah. Yeah. But where you take something where, okay, so let's say a scholar rules, it's fine. But he doesn't. He says it on a one-time thing. Yeah. But yeah. this varies As a te- how much you're doing it. If yeah. you're doing this day in, day out. So medad for people who are listening means like energy, spiritual yeah. energy, increase basically. It means sustenance, yeah. and basically what the concept is simply, good thoughts results in energies, right? And, and hearing friends of the Salahin, reading their stories, loving them and feeling attached to them, it gives you a himma, right? right? It gives you energy, right? So by people saying, when they keep saying, right? It's become honestly a, a silly little dumb behavior that people are doing, right? And really what the the technical origin of it is, all right, if we mention Abdul Qadir Jalani's name, say a story about him or something, we're all going to feel energized, right? We feel energized. That's the technical element of it. But I, because there's a group out there in America, semi-educated, tend to be rich people, right? And that's what they do all the time. They're in like middle America. They're spread all over the place, but they become famous actually in their little circle that when they meet each other, the first thing they say is medit, right? And it's like a cult. <laughs> A co- little like little cultish. high school cliquish behavior that has no meaning it's and me. actually Wait, so don't it comes. Well, they'll say salams. Yeah, you have nas afshumadad. And 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 these people. Uh, what really bothers me is a lot of them. They don't even have basic aqidah stuff. Like, that's right? crazy. So that's ridiculous and it's silly. And, and this is where tasawwuf and Sufism has become the butt of a lot of jokes, including street fighter sheikh, whatever that was. Yeah. 
So we just yeah, watch, we just watch yeah, this yeah, yeah. we just watch so this crazy thing, video. No, I know I know the one. Oh, oh you know? I've known I've seen it years ago. Yeah. The yeah. Street Fighter shit. Yeah. So and, and yeah. the reason I bring these things out is we uh to <laughs> is a is a is a huge noble excellent perfect thing yeah. that belong must be must be in the life of every muslim. And and these people are ruining it. It's right, so they need to be called out as Ahlul Bidah. Yeah, it is. Dr. Shetty's holding up a phone. And, you know, <laughs> you know, we listed. We gave a, we gave a, a listing. Dr. Shetty gave a listing of the different Turuk, right? Sheikh, if you could just present us with some names of like Muslims that everybody knows yeah. that were one hundred percent Ahlul Tasawwuf, like uh, from the history. Yeah, like obviously we know Imam Ghazali's his books. Imam Nawawi. Imam Nawawi. Imam Nawawi. Uh, Imam Nawawi, they say he has a karama that he used to meet Sayyidina Al Khidr every two years in Jerusalem in Ramadan. Imam Nawawi, but you didn't go see him uh, writing that, right? That's yeah. his own. That's something. Karama that yeah. some people knew about him, right? Sayyidina Al Khidr, because in in the majority opinion, Al Khidr, it lives until Akhir uh, Zaman, and he. Some people say he dies fighting the Dajjal. Right, some people say this about him that Al Khidr is not like any other human, right? Al Khidr is different from other human. He's human, right? But he's different from other humans that he is not affected by cause and effect the way we are, right? And that he has moved on and is still alive. You go into the Tafasir. This is not something that uh, is some kind of hocus pocus goofy. No, <laughs> this is true. This is go to the Tafsir, and you'll see this, right? That Al Khidr, uh, in the majority opinion of the ulama lives until Akhiru Zaman. And that even some um, weak hadith, weak hadith say that uh, he was cited even uh, on the day the Prophet Sallallahu died. Giving, as, as a man who was unknown to the people, who gave them uh, sabr, said, told them to have sabr, right? So, of course, I'm telling you that's weak. It's not like a sahih hadith or anything. So, that's Al-Khadr. Abdul Qadr al-Jailani is someone, you should get his books directly, right? Go to his books, and they're out there translated pretty decently. It's good translation. Uh, Murad. Mukhtar Holland. Mukhtar Holland. Yeah, he translated well, a lot of them. He's New Jersey? I didn't know that. He lives in New Jersey. Oh, oh mashallah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What's, what's the yeah. name of the one? The one of them is more, I don't want to say controversial, but it, there's some doubt as to whether it's really his. Uh, was it Ghunia uh, Talibin? Or is that Ghunia Talibin? I don't know about uh, that specific. Because there's a lot in that that speaks more towards secrets versus say the other ones um, well uh, Abdul Qadir Jailani's books are all his collected uh, sermons right like wav that he used to give in Ramadan mm -hmm. right so that's why you'll see the sermon number one sermon number two or, or session one two right. three four etc and those are powerful right, right? and you go there is no uh, funny business in it it's just it's deen right, right? but uh, this is one of the kibarul awliya, and if there's anyone whose wilaya is almost like almost like uh, ijma upon it, his righteousness is Abu Qasim, because his karamas are documented. Salafis agree on yeah. some of the his karamas I mean, are documented. If you look at Ibn Taymiyyah's fatawa, it's all in there. He refers to Abdul Qadir yeah. as Sheikhna. Volume over and over again. Well, he said, Volume he 10. He Khirka or he had his uh, yeah. cloak? He yeah. took from the Qadri so, Tarita. So, so, yeah, he was yeah. a Qadri. Yeah, he took um, the Qadri Tarita. And you know, and uh, he uh, in volume ten of the Fatawa, which was published in the seventies, collected and published, and they put in volume ten, because Ibn Taymiyyah didn't author the Fatawa. He authored those Fatawa, but he didn't gather them all. Someone in the seventies gathered them. Volume ten, he has a Sharh of uh, Abdul Qadir Jalani's book, 
Junaid's book. So I would go look at uh, Junaid al-Sadiq, Muhammad ibn Junaid, less famous, but his biography is online. Abdul Qadr al-Jailani, Abu al-Hasan al-Shadri, okay. Uh, Ibn Ata'illah al-Sakandari, the Hikam, the wisdoms of Ibn Ata'illah al-Sakandari. Some ulama said it should be written in gold, right? Because of how uh, wonderful these uh, um, wisdoms are. Wisdoms, and you should get the explanation if you can. Um, what else is from? I'm trying to think of what's in English. Imam al Haddad. Imam al Haddad is considered the small Ghazali, right? In his works. Have you read any um, Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi? Oh, Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi is a mujaddid, right? I used to always think his name was Al Fizani, right? Uh, I thought that was his name, <laughs> Al Fizani, right? It turns out that that's the Urdu way of saying Al Alf Athani, right? So I'm thinking Sheikh Al Fizani, right? Uh, no, it's Mujadid Al Alf Athani. So, that would have made him Egyptian, Sheikh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so the Mujadid of the second century, uh, second millennium. Uh, Sheikh Ahmed said Hindi was a fighter against the heretics in matters of Aqidah, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times his era in a lot of ways sim- are sim- similar to our era where all religions are together all happy all one it's all uh, together that was he was what he was facing a lot of uh, fake Sufi frauds scholars who were frauds etc so um, Ahmed said Hindi but his books aren't translated I don't think there's got to be a couple Couple. But they're probably yeah, published probably. in Lahore. No, they have a site yeah. which has, uh, so he's basically Maktubat, right? 313 yeah, or something letters. Yeah. A hundred are translated oh, on really? one of these websites. In, oh, in which website? Uh, it's called like Love Real or some weird okay. name or rather. But I'm right. going through them, but yeah. there's also this translated. I think he wrote it originally, in, did he write it in Persian originally? Or a lot of the writing was in Persian. Know. But oh. it's in Arabic. I actually yeah. got the, the set. I was so excited. But yeah. Uthman Danfodio in West Africa. He was a sheikh of the Qadriya. He was a descendant of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he was a uh, a warrior. And he was exiled by the king at the time. The king there he was bringing some pantheistic things from the ancient or whatever religion that they were upon, pagan things. He was against it. He stood up to the king. The king expelled him, which was a big mistake. He then gathered an army. Right, all his followers came to follow him. He taught them. He educated them in the outskirts. They lived tough. They came back. They had a, a, a jihad, a war, right, uh, and fought this corrupt king. And he established the Sokoto Empire. Right? The Sokoto Empire. And the followers of Uthman Dan Fodio still exist today um, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, there's a oh, list in Pennsylvania. In, in Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sure. And Muhammad Al Sharif, he's actually exiled. I think he's not allowed to come to America for some reason. I don't know why. Just, but he's in China. He's in China. Just quick point. But is it fair to say that some of the Torah today, even they may be called Qadr, and there's a lot of sub branches nowadays, Naqshbandi this, Naqshbandi that. It may be that the Naqshbandi of today has more relation to Sheikh Abdul Qadr Jalani. Than a certain cadre, that's why I said uh, the just because someone attributes doesn't right. necessarily mean anything, right? right. So I would say uh, uh, that's just a name, really. Right. Uh, why don't you look up meccabooks.com if you could look at Mecca Books and go to the section that says to Sawaf and read me some of the titles. They have a couple Mecca Books is basically a, a good source because he actually he just doesn't sell books, he monitors actually the content. Yeah. While, while Syed is doing that, you know, just if you really want a comprehensive list of all the historical famous Muslims who have been Sufis, 
just look at anybody who's a Maliki or a Shafi'i or a Hanbali or a Hanafi since like the first hundred years of yeah. Islam, and basically that's a, that's a Sufi yeah. person. Because back in the day, it wasn't like uh, it was just part of a life. division. It was part of yeah. life. And if you really want to dis- to disappear in a book, get see without sure. If you want to oh. disappear in a, literally like disappear in a book, Sheikh News. Yeah, and 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 that book is it's like a little phone book basically. Yeah. How thick it is. And I, someone lent me that book, and I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to get through this. It was Ramadan. We'll get right? the list. We'll post it. it. Yeah, we'll get the list and post. You get the list and post it. Yeah. It was in Ramadan, and I'm telling you, I finished the entire book in like, well, maybe a couple chapters I didn't read, but uh, in just like two, three days. Yeah. Like um, I would say, after it would be after Asr, right? In that time, you're tired, but you're still awake, and I would read that book, and I just went through it. It was in. You go into another world reading. I've yet to read it. One of the things about See Without Shore is that you know how people, there's a saying that people say Tasawwuf was uh, a reality without a name, and now it's a name without a reality. Well, look at, read See Without Shore, and you'll see that the Oliya are alive and well today. SubhanAllah. They're still they're still amongst us. They're just not hanging out on the internet with Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. But they're here, they they exist. And Sheikh Noah just gives short biographies of a few of them that Mm -hmm. he's known intimately. So and he knows their realities. The Prophet, uh, the Surah Al-Fatiha says, guide us to the path of those who are blessed. We still say that, which means that they must be, mm-hmm. there must be representatives of the, of the path who are practicing, acting upon it, and who are public, right, on the earth today. Or else it would be pointless for us to make that du'a. If, like some people say, they're all hidden. No, some of them are hidden, not all of them, right? Mm-hmm. Then what was the point of making that du'a? Guide us to the al-mustaqim, the straight path. Surat al-ladina anamt alayhim, the path of those who you blessed. Secondly, right, so guide us to that path so that we can meet those who are blessed and learn from them. And secondly, the Prophet said in a famous hadith, um uh, uh, right? There will be a portion of my people manifest upon the truth until the day of judgment in other words until the end of the uh, time when the believers exist on the earth uh, and those who oppose them will not harm them Zahirin means they're out in public it's they're not hidden in a jungle in a cave right they're it's out in public they're there you have to look for them you have to find them yeah so um, uh, wait before just anybody that's listening to this right now please please make da'a for the people of Syria and the people of Damascus because as Sheikh Shadi was talking you know it's just I'm reminded of the number of old men and women of Allah who lived in that city and who are still living in that city who were these manifest friends of Allah people who everyone who met them attested Mm. to their righteousness and so the the difficulties that they've been facing and the many of them that have died Mm -hmm. so just make dua for them please if you're listening to this because it's And, and, and those who have died their offspring are there right and it wouldn't make them happy to see what's happening to their offspring and we have to say as well that a lot of people have um, uh, commented that at the time that this whole thing happened, shortly before that, there was some really bad shows on TV, right? There was some really bad shows about the Prophet And a number of the Mashaykh warned, if you let this show air on TV, right? And this is a city of knowledge. Syria is a city of ulama. Right? You let the show air on TV. 
There's not going to there's going to be some consequences. You've been right? benefiting 1400 years from his du'a. Subhanallah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then you insult him? Yeah. Th- th- subhanallah. The Prophet sallallahu made du'a for Sham and Yemen. Yemen. And he said that there will always be 40 abdal in Sham. Subhanallah. 40 abdal of Sham. And these are from the abdal that we're going to witness the Imam Mahdi for us and, and, and tell us that this is a true Imam Mahdi. Right? But uh, the, I remember hearing that from uh, Sheikh Saeed Ramadan Buti. He said, if this show is aired, oh, yeah. be prepared for consequences. Right? And you could probably look that up. That's the facts. Yeah. Right? It was a show about the Prophet. And Sheikh Ramadan al-Buti's to return to the early part of our subject, yeah. the definitive work on yes. uh, madhabs and not having yeah. madhabs. And it's in English. There's a translation oh, somewhere. Yeah. Allah Alam, I don't know who carries it. Yeah, there's I, a, I know there's a translation in English. Yeah, and there's a woman named Nancy Roberts. I think her job was basically to translate all his books. She did a good job with Fikasira. So um, we're hitting almost like almost like two and a half, two, two hours and 40 minutes. So um, inshallah, we'll wrap it up. So this has been a you know great episode and a great season as well. Um, so just a final remark that I want to make is, you know, we do say a lot of things on this podcast. Uh, we may have accidentally or incidentally uh, offended some people as well. Um, if that be the case or we hurt someone's feelings, you know, I apologize since, you know, we should be nice to the Muslims as well. Uh, so if you're a Muslim, we apologize. If you're a... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to add that. Non, if you're a Muslim, our, our, our door is open. Our door is open to you coming and learning. Yeah. yeah. If, uh, we never insult someone who is a kitabi, right? Heretics is a different story, right? <laughs> Heretics is a different story. No, Someone, is, a Jewish Christian Catholic, yeah. yeah, Jewish Christian Catholic, whatever. Uh, Hindu, even we, we respect human people, right? We res- even the pro- prophet tells the Quran tells us, don't curse their gods. Uh, they listen, might curse Allah after that. There's right? good Jews, there's good Christians, there's good all those things. There's no good zindik. Yeah, there's no good zindik. Heretics is something I just have no tolerance for. Yeah. So, so if no we better. may have affected uh, i mean if we may have hurt uh the feelings of a of a practicing muslim you know please forgive us uh <laughs> definitely we never hurt you know, feelings uh, of a muslim 100 percent. so uh and you know anything that we may have aired in this is from us and anything good is from allah Azzawajal. so we'll be back uh in a few months uh on the safina society podcast thank you gentlemen for joining us this episode assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ما داد يا الله